This is Eduardo Sanchez, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 98. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my lone wolf co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh. Jay, so scared. <laughs> so, my friend... <laughs> I just got back as we're recording this. I just got back recently from the big uh, movie podcast network meetup in Indiana. And I have to say, um, you were missed there. A lot of listeners that, that showed up, they asked about you and they missed having you there. But I saw that you were actually actively participating and you were like, you jumped on Twitter and Instagram and stuff and you were like, you know, blowing up the pictures that they were taking and sending them out. So. Thanks for being a part of it. Yeah. Well, I'm just in touch with a lot of the listeners on Twitter and stuff. And so they would post them and I would steal their photos and then repost them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people badmouth Andy for not showing up because uh, we had almost all of Movie Podcast Weekly there except, you know, Andy dogged. And, uh, and of course, you weren't able to come, but you had legitimate reasons. Andy was just being lazy. But um, now yeah, they missed well, William told me he was coming, but I don't think he was there, right? Nope, nope, we didn't see him there. And I looked for him. But no, Dr. Shock, they asked about him and Dr. Walking Dead. and But I, I tell you, we had a tremendous turnout. I was, I honestly only thought we'd get like maybe, you know, two or three people, right? And um, horror, there were four. What'd you say? And there were four or five. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there were, there were 11 like 11 like um you know dedicated listeners they like flew in from places like los angeles and houston and um a lot of people made like pretty long drives and stuff and well actually we got recordings later in the episode so we'll be shouting out everybody that was there but um yeah and even the meetup ryan geekcast ryan's family was in the neighborhood and they came to support us in case no one else showed up (laughs) so it was great we had about 20 people at the meetup total that's and, awesome. And so everybody can check the show notes for this episode. We got a lot of good photos and you can see who some of the listeners are. But anyway, we'll get we'll, you actually hear from them later on in this episode because we recorded uh, a review of uh, Blair Witch <laughs> right after seeing it together, which is hilarious. So more on that later. But Wolfman Josh, did you know that even before that, I know you knew this because you're you got your finger on the pulse. Even before that, we had we had a mini meetup. It was kind of a warm up here in Salt Lake City. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It was amazing. Listener uh, Cora, who lives in Salt Lake City, she reached out and said, "Hey, let's go see Don't Breathe." And uh, we pulled in Kagan, and then Nate at the last minute. Nate, who's a listener, he even brought his wife, who's not a horror fan, but she was a good sport, Alethea, and um, and then. I brought Andy along, too, because he likes horror movies, and it was hilarious. We all went to see Don't Breathe together, and Cora was really nice. She got me a, she brought me a Camp Crystal Lake baseball cap, and I was sporting it, <laughs> so cool. that'll be in the photos as well, but 
You know uh, that uh, that same group got together the next week and went and saw Blair Witch oh, while, while you while you were in Indiana. So. Nice. I was not aware of that. That's cool. So those those four people went. Yeah, as far as I understand. That yeah. is awesome. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. Okay, well, I can't stand it any longer. I have been dying for weeks now to talk to you about Don't Breathe. Your lips look sore. That's how you're making your cash out there? <laughs> what do you say you and I move away from mom together? It's a promise. You're leaving? Yeah, as soon as I have the money. When are you coming back? Never. Yo, I got our ticket out of here. Rumor is this guy is sitting on at least 300K. That's her guy. Wait, is he blind? We messed up to rob a blind guy, isn't it? Just because he's blind don't mean he's insane, bro. The first thing I would say is there, in some ways there's a lot to the movie. In other ways, it's, it's a very simple premise. And so I really honestly, even though I'm not intending to spoil anything, I would not listen to this if you haven't seen it yet, would be my recommendation. Simply because the trailer gives away pretty much every cool surprise in the movie. I would not watch the trailer. I would not probably even listen to this review. I would just go check out the movie. I think it's worth seeing. I'm going to give that up front. This is definitely a seat in the theater for me. And um, yeah, I just, I think the more unspoiled you can be, the more fun you're going to have in this movie. You know, I will say I, I can agree with most of what you said there. I think I only watched the very first trailer for Don't Breathe. I mean, I'm sure the additional trailers showed other stuff that they shouldn't have shown. But actually, in the first trailer, it got me really excited. I thought they did a pretty good job with that. So I think, um, and it's just my two cents, if people only saw the first trailer, then, I mean, we can... I'm going to disagree with you, Jay, because that's the one I watched too, and... I'm telling you, every twist that happens is at least the moment is shown, even if it's not explained. Hmm. So, you know, I knew something else was going to happen at a certain point because I had already seen the image in the trailer. Right. And it's kind of a bummer because it would have been a shock had I not watched the trailer. So Okay, well, we'll trust then that people are skipping ahead if they haven't seen it yet. But honestly, I bet you... Most of the horror movie podcast listeners have seen Don't Breathe. It got great reviews, mm-hmm. and we've been raving about it in other places. At least I, I have. Now, you seem to be a little bit um, not as impressed as most other people. Is that fair to say or not? Well, I like the movie. I I guess I wanted a little bit more. There's par- A big part of it is, again, because I was already felt like I knew everything that was going to happen. And the, the trailer did blow me away. And I feel like I just would have been great if I could have had that experience with the movie uh, rather than with the trailer. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed the film. I think I was less and less impressed with it as it went. So I think um, it starts strong and they make incredible use of the premise initially. And I feel like they don't use the premise to the full extent that they could as it progresses. But. Yeah, when you first started talking, you said something about it having such a simple premise. And for me, that was really a strength of this film. I think this is one of the the few examples in the recent past where 
they got back down to the basics of horror and what's scary. Yeah. And that's that's one thing I really appreciate about this. I think the simplicity of it is is absolutely what makes it great. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Okay, so um, you know, assuming now that people have um, you know, tuned out if they haven't seen just, just basic we're going to be talking basic stuff here. The fact, the fact that it is um kind of a, a a variation on wait until dark. I mean, I love that all of the characters in this, and at least initially, Josh, are sympathetic. I mean, almost all of them. I mean, even you know the blind man, the the Stephen Lang character, um, he he is sympathetic. You know, we have oh, this completely the very, you know, kind of sad story. I mean, he's a he's a war veteran for heaven's sake and he's blind and and uh, apparently, you know, that came from an injury and then he lost the daughter, we learned right in the beginning. And that's all sad. And then our um our heroine here, man, I love uh Jane Levy. She's extremely sympathetic cuz she's in this terrible household. Her mom is like can we agree the worst mom ever judging from <laughs> like like the worst mom ever and um you know she's got a little sibling that she wants to kind of rescue from this awful situation so so we get it i mean we get the fact that they want you know they want to better their lives now now her boyfriend the, the money character daniel zavato not as sympathetic but we all need somebody in a horror movie that you know we don't care if they get it, right? <laughs> but but even Alex, her friend, uh, uh, Dylan Minette. It, now he's um, is he the? He's not the Maze Runner kid. He's the uh, what is it? He was in. He well, I saw him in Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Goosebumps. He's in Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's in Prisoners and Let Me In, I guess, but I don't particularly remember him from those films. Right, same here. Now. Um, he, he does not have a face that belongs in a horror film. I was really quite surprised to see him there. And at first I was thinking he wasn't fitting into this movie, but honestly, Josh, I don't know about you, but when I got into my misadventures in my youth, <laughs> which I know you've had some too, when I was in my misadventures, like it, it kind of fit to see this kid. He's like a young, fresh face, actually a pretty good kid. All things considered. But gets wrapped up into something that's just way beyond him, way more than he needed. So he actually kind of won me over. And because of his, um, you know, Disney TV show, like Disney character face, later <laughs> as as violent things started happening to him too, you know, I started, I, it was very upsetting to me. Hmm, interesting. You could relate to this guy. Yeah, I felt like it. I mean, I... I am not an intimidating looking man. No, I think all of the characters were relatable in some way. I think they they were all grounded in some kind of reality. I mean, it, it gets a little far out there. And, you know, Stephen Link's character is probably the furthest out there of any of them. But they're all grounded in some kind of reality. You know, you talked about Jane Levy. Her character is essentially living in eight mile basic. I mean, it's in Detroit. It's the same. It's some of the same scenes that are in eight mile, I think. Um, but it's setting up a very sympathetic character with her. And, um, and even the Stephen Lane character, as you mentioned, he has a tragedy that's, you know, the center of his life as well. So a couple of tragedies, 
really. And so I like that. I think that's a great tension for a film that no one person is necessarily a monster. Now, I mean, that is, again, arguable as the film progresses. But at least initially, um, it's an interesting situation, I think, to have all these people who are, you know, all in some way uh, kind of rootable in their own way. And when you say rootable, you mean root forable. Yes, <laughs> I like that, though. Rootable. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I really like Daniel Zavato, too. I mean, he was the biggest jerk in the movie, the more most typical horror movie character. And sure. He's kind of a thug, but I actually really liked him. And he has his own moments, as you mentioned, of mm -hmm. humanity that really shine through him. I totally agree. And um, yeah, I think that strength of the film, I mean, just the, the character work, which really, I mean, these are kind of archetypes in some ways. It's not like they're real in-depth character stories, but it's just enough. And the fact that they're kind of juxtaposed against each other, where, like you said, I like the way you phrased that. You said that, um, you know, they're not all, like, they're not totally monsters. And then at the same time, they're not totally innocent either. And I think that's pretty great, because I think most conflicts that happen in the real world, most horror conflicts, I think there's probably a little blend of that. Of course, they're Yeah, they're, they're ordinary people who are willing to go to extraordinary lengths to get what they want. And yes. That's true of all the characters, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, um, later on, as we after we give our ratings, I have a, a brief recording from the uh, listeners that were there in Salt Lake City with me. I recorded them after the movie was over, and so you'll hear some of this from them so i you know <laughs> i hope they don't think i'm just stealing from them but um i i also appreciated the fact that this in many ways it's weird because it's like um you know the house itself being the fact that they get stuck in the house with the monster quote unquote um i was really concerned because i'm like how are these screenwriters going to keep this up where they get, they keep these kids in this house? And I think for the most part, they successfully do it where um, my suspension of disbelief wasn't just totally broken because I really felt like they did have fairly good ways to keep them stuck in the house. So in a way it was kind of, so yeah, so it was kind of a reverse uh, siege narrative. And then later you get like kind of a, a, a Cujo-esque siege narrative, which I love as well. <laughs> and and so it's like a, a mini version of the siege narrative. So lots of things to love here for me. So I'm going to mention two things that are in the trailer. Uh, as I mentioned, I think the trailer spoils a little too much of the movie, but um, there are two shots in the trailer that you see. One is with uh, the young man you mentioned, Alex, played by Dylan Minnette, who is... Uh, presses himself up against the wall just in the nick of time as the blind man walks past him and nearly slams into him. <laughs> um, that's a great moment of tension. And I just felt like they could have milked that a little bit more. I, I felt like that is a, an incredible way, as you mentioned, of just kind of like getting these kids stuck in the situation. It's very hard to make your way through uh, this space when there's someone who's blind that is familiar with the area and is relying on their other senses mm -hmm. that that's it's done so well the times it's used and i just thought man use this more it's so good that is one of the scariest moments in the movie 
in my opinion. Um, the other thing I really liked was when the lights go out. And I think, again, like I saw most of that in the trailer. I think that's another thing that if the movie really wanted to brutalize us a little bit more, it could have left us in that state for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, we kind of get the easy way out of those some of those more difficult situations. And I would have just liked to see that taken even further because that's that's the thing your monster has in its favor. So let's let's put you in the monster's world as much as possible. Yes. Um and then my one well, I, I could have done without where the film goes in the basement. I just it it cheapened the film a bit for me. I get why it's there. It makes sense with the characters. But it's just it felt more exploitative than the rest of the film, and I think the film didn't need necessarily to go there. It's fine and it works, and I I was freaked out while I was watching it. But right, I personally didn't need that. Um, I agree that it wasn't necessary either. Although the the turkey baster will long be remembered. Yes, absolutely, and yeah, and the scissors <laughs> and all that whole thing. It's intense. Yeah. Um, and then the movie, my biggest complaint is just as as it gets closer and closer toward the ending there are just some scenes that to me just feel a lot more lazy and we've seen earlier in this year with 10 cloverfield lane a scene that we've just seen in every movie and these two movies manage to do it better than a, a lot of them do but it's the climbing around in the air duct or climbing around in the space between the floorboards that kind of thing is just I don't ever need to see a scene like that again in a movie. Now, I think <laughs> this movie makes decent use of it. Ten Cloverfield Lane makes much better use of it. But I just, why? Why are we even seeing these scenes? They're just so overdone. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, I see where why you would say that. But I think Aliens did it well, so well. that yeah, 100 years ago. Why are we still doing this now? <laughs> I know. Because people, people want to try to recreate you know, capture that spell again, you know, have magic in a bottle once again. But we've just seen it in everything. I, any, any point when someone starts climbing into an air duct, I just think, give me a break. This is (laughs) all you could come up with. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's part of the problem I had with it is just, I felt like that's some lazy writing there at that point in the film. And on one hand, you're stuck in the house, so there's a limited number of things you can do, and that makes sense, and that's something that a character might consider. On the other hand, just I have seen I've literally seen that scene in a hundred movies. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want to see it again. Yeah, I mean, logistically speaking though, I mean on on a realism level, since you know, the Jane Levy character, she's a petite young lady, it, it's something that would be unlikely for him to for the blind man to do or to be able to follow her in there. So, I mean, I, I, I see it from that angle, but yes, it is overdone. I, I agree with that. Um, what about the fact that um, Stephen Lang, first of all, I love him. And the biggest reason I love him is because I love Avatar and I love his character in Avatar. <laughs> and, and I love how, uh, you know, he is someone not to be trifled with in this movie, which I love. And the best part of the movie to me, which is in the the first trailer is the, the fact that we see right in the beginning that he means business. He's dead serious about protecting Mm -hmm. his house and he takes it all the way to that level, you know? And, and when you see that, that that's scary to me every single time I've seen a trailer, like tons, every time I see it in the trailer, 
my blood runs cold and I'm like, what would I do if I were in that situation? And it really affects me in a strong way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not an Avatar fan, but I do think Stephen Lang is interesting in that movie. I think he's very fun. I think he's very funny and just kind of like surprising in that role. It's so over the top and just great. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is his best film and best performance that I've seen so far. But uh, I, yeah, I, he's great in this movie. He's a perfect casting. And I think there was a lot of good casting that was maybe surprising for me. Because I don't think, again, Jane Levy to me isn't an obvious. Uh, actor for this type of role. She just seems a little also maybe initially a little too Disney. She just is cute and petite and doesn't really feel like she's living on the streets, the mean streets of Detroit, but man, she's good. She's so good. Yes. And um, Ian, you know, one of our listeners mentioned, you know, he calls her, he says, you know, she's legit scream queen. And I agree with him. I mean, I think she could, and has, she's done a few horror movies, but she could really uh, become a horror icon if she continued on this path. But. Yeah, she was in Evil Dead, but like there is a scene where um, you can see her ability kind of compared to like you you can see this in the trailer even if people want to like revisit this just to look at it. Like there's a scene where Dylan Minette in the trailer, the Alex character. He acts really horrified and it's a reaction shot. And you look at his face and you're like, yeah, I guess I could read horrified from that, but it doesn't ring true. But when you see Jane Levy in the trailers in the dark and it shows like her pupils all huge and dilated because she's trying to see around and feel her way around, it genuinely looks like she's scared to death. Mm, yeah. yeah. So it's amazing. Okay. So the film is directed by uh, Fede Alvarez, who also directed the Evil Dead remake. And um, mm-hmm. this was produced by Sam Raimi's company, Ghost House Pictures, who mostly do remakes and sequels. But, uh, you know, like remake, they remake a lot of Japanese <laughs> horror films, basically. But, um, but this is a great one. And I, this is a great original piece from them. And I hope they do more like this. Me too, Joshua. So what what do you rate Don't Breathe? Oh, man. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to regret going this low toward the end of the year because it's already one of the better films I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to give it an 8.5 and I'm going to say see it in the theater and buy it. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one that you feel like you would show to people if you were trying to get them acquainted with horror. This is a good, yeah. this is a mean, good one. It's a little intense due to scissors and turkey basters. I think it probably goes to a, maybe a little <laughs> bit more uncomfortable place than the average audience would be prepared for. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like this is the kind of movie that I would try to go get. I would try to get Rachel to go see with me. You know, in fact, I did try to get her to go see this with me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I said to lights out, lights out, or don't breathe, and we ended up seeing Snowden. So that oh, tells, okay, that should tell you something. <laughs> A different kind of horror movie. Sure. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, that's great. So 8.5 out of 10. Josh says, see it in the theater and buy it. And yeah, I rated it a 9 out of 10. I say, see it in the theater and buy it. I call it a must-see for me. It's it's one of my favorite movies this year for sure. And Andy rated it a 9 out of 10 on Movie Podcast Weekly. Although you will hear in the upcoming recording 
that he refused to comment for this show. He is a horror fan. This is the thing I don't get about him. Why is he so hard on the horror fans and the horror podcast when he himself is a horror fan? He does like it. And does. in fact, he's more messed up than I am for sure. Like he's he's a dark individual at times. <laughs> yes, he is. And in fact, through the whole screening, okay, I wondered, I wondered if like Cora and uh you know, Nate and Alethea, Kagan already knows we're crazy. But I, I, I wondered if if those people, Andy and I giggled and laughed through this whole movie just because we were so amused by it. Andy said it was the way he dealt with being scared. But for me, when something is effective, it kind of makes me giddy and excited. But um, that was pretty funny. So at this point, what I'll do is I captured a little recording there at the theater with these folks. So we'll cut to that right now. So here we are in downtown Salt Lake City at the uh, Cinemark 10 in Sugar House. And I am so excited to be here because I'm here with some friends. One of which is um, Andy Howell, (laughs) which many people know from Movie Podcast Weekly. And you came to see a horror movie tonight. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, you came to meet listeners of Horror Movie Podcasts. And so we have Nate here. Hello. We have Kagan. Hi. And we have Cora, who is very kind, and she even uh, gave me this amazing Camp Crystal Lake hat and uh, paid for my ticket, so thank you, Cora. You're welcome. Hello. (laughs) So, Andy, um, what do you think of these people now that you've met them? Weirdos, the whole lot. No, they're not weirdos. (laughs) They're super cool, and you had fun. In fact, during the movie, we just saw Don't Breathe. Andy was laughing more than anybody else. You had this evil, maniacal laugh, so I think you're the the sick one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably fair. <laughs> okay, so we'll start with Cora. Cora, what did you think of Don't Breathe? Give us your thoughts. Quick summary. I was a little bit worried that it was going to be a one-trip pony with a lot of the quarantine green, like, you know, when the lights went off, which is all stuff that you saw in the preview. Okay. So I was worried that it would be, like, a very, there would be only, like, two different sequences, but I thought that it did really well as far as showing a lot of different elements of, you know, obviously the main character was blind, but it showed that in a lot of different ways, which I thought was awesome. And I liked it more than I thought I would. I'm glad to hear it. What about you, Nate? What did you think? First of all, if you have a second, I want to say to all you listeners how awesome a host Jason is because it's, this started out with me inquiring about a horror movie podcast t-shirt on Monday and then I got an email Wednesday morning this morning telling me how to pay for it or that I could be invited to uh, join them at the show tonight. So I thought that was pretty awesome. So I want to thank you again for that. That's pretty awesome. Thank you and thanks for coming. Your wife's not even a horror fan per se and she <laughs> even came out so I'm very impressed. Yes. I grabbed her just because, uh, well, I told her that I really wanted to go and thought it would be awesome, so she decided to join me. But I thought the movie was super intense. I, kind of what I was telling you right after, too, is that it's kind of a easy, like, the plot, is, there's not a whole lot there, there's not a whole lot of depth, I think, to the plot. But what starts out is kind of something you might think is predictable, totally turns around for these three people that are going into this house. I think the movie didn't pull any punches, and uh, dude, it was. There were some places that it goes that I was kind of surprised. <laughs> so yeah, super intense. Definitely recommend it. And um, the performances were amazing. Stephen Lang was almost, uh, I would say, a monster in in his own way. Yes. If you were to watch a horror movie, his performance, I think the performances elevated the the movie. The scenes and how it was filmed were pretty intense. 
And, um, yeah, I'd would, I would probably give it a 9. 9 mm-hmm. out of 10. 9 out of 10, excellent. Absolutely. You tell people to see it in the theater and buy it? or what? Oh, I say definitely see it in the theater. And what about you, Cor? What was your rating? Same, 9. 9? Yeah, 9 out of 10. I'd say see it in the theater. But I'm not super intense about having to see movies in the theater, but I would say if you're a horror fan, own it, especially if you're a thriller fan. I get you. Okay. And then, Kagan, what about you? What did you think of it? Oh, my gosh. I had so much fun watching this. <laughs> yeah, I did. I... I was really worried when I saw the trailer the first five times I saw this trailer. I was like, man, they give away so much of that movie, so much of that plot. And I was really worried, but but the premise seems strong and promising. And, you know, it really works out. And th- there are times watching the movie, you're like, well, I did see all this in the trailer, but... <laughs> There's, there's a lot of artistry there whenever somebody does those long extended takes mm-hmm. where, you know, you're following people through the house and you're trading off which one the camera's following. That was the moment that I knew. I was like, okay, this is going to be something really good. And I think that works really well in horror. I like those tracking shots. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of technical mastery here that comes across. And, and I really don't have any... I honestly don't have any criticisms of it. Not that I can think of right now. We did just come out of it. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're pumped. So what do you rate it, Kagan? Well, see, that's the thing. Can I give it a rating with the chance to... <laughs> amend to it later. Amend it later? Because <laughs> I, I regret it. Because I had so much fun watching The Shallows mm-hmm. that I rated it too high. And then afterwards, I was like, man, I just... I didn't think too hard about that. Because right now, I want to give Don't Breathe a 10. But, um... I don't know if that's too generous. So I'm going to say 10 with the right to amend it on the message boards later. Okay, fair enough. And then Andy, did you stay awake during that movie? Is this for a horror movie podcast? Yeah. I'm not participating in this. (laughs) (laughs) I only came along so that you didn't get catfished again by listeners. (laughs) Like that one Kagan guy did that time for the shallows. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. No, I'm glad you were here. But you laughed the whole time like it was a comedy or something. Why were you laughing? Well, he's dead the whole time, and you didn't even know it. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Every week. <laughs> Anyways. This is Cora, and I miss Kyle Bishop. Aw. Aw. Me too. Me too. My brother Joe was out driving, and he loves the show. I turned him on to it uh, several months ago. He was a big fan, and he really wanted to be here but couldn't make it. So he said that maybe if there was an option to come in the future, it would be great. Yes. Joe, so. next time, join us. Thanks for being here, everybody. It was really nice. This is like a mini horror movie podcast meetup in Salt Lake City. I was telling Nate we should do more of these, maybe do an earlier showing, do dinner next time. Sure. And uh, Kagan's got a, a fancy recording studio where we could record like an in-depth review next time mm-hmm. of whatever we see. So, yes. Anyway, I just want to, on behalf of uh, Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh and the other listeners, I want to thank you guys for being here and participating. Thank awesome. You. Thank you. At this point, let's move into Josh's feature review of Scherzo Diabolico. Aran, voy a ser franco. Estos últimos días te noto muy disperso. ¿Estás conmigo o no, Aran? Porque si no estás conmigo, eres mi enemigo. Cada vez sales más tarde. Okay, Schertzel Diabolico is a 2016 film directed by Adrian Garcia Bogliano, who we have talked about before on the show. Um, He did the Bigfoot uh, episode of The ABCs of Death. He did the pretty decent film called Cold Sweat, and he really came onto my radar for the first time with his last feature film, Here Comes the Devil, 
which uh, was a film I just struggled and struggled with whether or not I liked it. It was, it was such a strange film and it kind of blew my hair back a little bit. And it's a movie that stuck with me and I ended up rewatching several times, um, which surprised me again, cause I wasn't sure if I even liked it the first time, but which one did you watch several times? Here comes the devil. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I didn't love that one to be honest. Well, I didn't know if I did either the first time, but it's just a movie that has stuck with me. I think it's a really powerful film. I think the filmmaking is so – it creates a, such a unique tone. I, I just have never really seen anything quite like it. And I think the weak parts for that for me with that movie were the supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was looking forward to Scherzo Diabolico because it – uh, didn't have any supernatural elements. It was based in reality. And so I was really curious to see um, what this film would be like in comparison to Here Comes the Devil. And it stars the same actor who is the father in Here Comes the Devil. His name is Francisco Barriero. Now, I apologize. I have a terrible Spanish accent. I do not in any way speak Spanish. So apologies to our Spanish-speaking listeners. Though. Mm-hmm. But... um. I really, really, really liked him. And here comes the devil. Uh, I, again, I've seen it probably four times now. And, um, and so it, I was, really- I'll, I'll give you, I will just say in case the listeners are curious about it. Honestly, um, I will give you that it is odd. And I mean, it's eerie. It's an eerie movie. When you watch it, it feels a little bit otherworldly or something. It's like it's completely otherworldly. And it's just such yeah. a weird tone. Like it's an art. It, I don't want to say an art film, but it feels very much like an indie film festival type of movie when it's not in horror mode. Yeah. And then when it's in horror mode, it's in such a strange, surreal place that we don't normally see in horror movies. Mm -hmm. And then the brutality is completely over the top, like ultra violence. And so it, I don't know. It's just an odd combination of elements. Anyway, so hmm. that, that's all. Here comes the devil. Shetzel Dabiloko is similar and different in that it is set in reality. It follows, um, as I mentioned, that same actor. Here he's playing a man who is this accountant who is not doing well at work. He's not doing well in his marriage. He's just essentially, you know, being dead degraded in every place in his life and is just feeling very small and, and bad about himself. And so he decides he's going to start stalking the daughter of one of his coworkers. Who's a kind of Catholic schoolgirl. He starts following her around, taking notes about her and what, you know, her habits are. And he follows her for a really long time and he he formulates a plan to kidnap her. And a lot of the film is his process of uh, kind of how he's going to get her. That's that's a big portion of the beginning of the film. Do you feel like that serves as a good uh, cautionary tale or like instructional for how a predator might prey upon a child? Because because I value things like that in in that I'm you know, protective parent. And I like yeah. to know things like that from horror movies so I can guard against them. Yeah. I mean, I, she doesn't seem to notice. 
And, you know, her parents certainly don't notice, but he is, yeah, I mean, maybe if she were paying more attention, he is in the same place every day watching her, taking notes. I mean, he definitely, you know, is aware of her comings and goings. Yeah, because did you see the movie Look, for example? It's not, it's not, a, on that one, but. it's not a horror movie, but it's from 2007 and they use a lot of, um, it basically a lot of different kind of footage, like security cameras and all that. It's kind of like a found footage type thing. Adam Rifkin and, oh, and maybe I, I think I did see that on your recommendation actually. <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's not the greatest film, but it will kind of stay with you. And there is one subplot. There are a bunch of characters that it follows, but there's one where you've got kind of like a, a pedophile or, you know, a child kidnapper and it shows the process of them stalking the kid and then how they end up taking the kid. And man, it did just, it really made a lasting impression on me, even though mm. that's really not the point of the film. But like after seeing that, I felt like I, I was enlightened on this. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this is necessarily, um, that in any way but it's i mean there is a small bit of that element to it you know and eventually he does kidnap this girl and um kind of treats her in a way that is uh, filling some of these holes in his heart that he has and that allows him then to kind of take an active role in his marriage to take an active role in in work and his life gets better and better as he degrades this young woman that he's kidnapped. And it's a fascinating film. And you know, I'm I'm not going to go into too much more detail uh, other than to say, and this will give you some hint that what this really becomes is a revenge tale. Mm -hmm. And when it gets finally into the revenge, which is late, late in the film, it, much like Here Comes the Devil, the level of violence and brutality is extreme. <laughs> and it's just quick and realistic and to the point. And uh, it's an odd film. It, again, it's created this kind of tone that is only belongs to this movie. And <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I think this director is definitely an auteur and has something unique that he is contributing to cinema. And so I'm really interested in him and what he's going to do next. I mean, I think, I think the general horror fan may be disappointed in the film like this. I, it's not, it's, but it's also kind of too intense to just be considered a thriller or a crime film. I think. So Josh, I'm dying to know this. So, um, everything you've described sounds pretty um, dark, tonally, or deadly serious. But like on IMDb, for example, it has it listed as a comedy, horror, thriller. Is there comedy in this? Like, what's what's that? Aspect? Yeah, I mean, he there's d- certainly no jokes or anything like that. It's dark comedy, I guess. If there's comedy in the way that maybe Quentin Tarantino would use comedy during a, a murder scene, or. Okay. Um, Oh man, I just was thinking of another film that I totally blanked on all of a sudden. Oh, remember that movie Big Bad Wolves that we reviewed? Oh yeah, on I Movie Podcast Weekly. Enjoyed that very much. It, it it's kind of it's a similar kind of um, 
feel to that in terms of the type of movie it is. I get you. So Pat Healy could have been in this movie somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> okay. All right. I got you. What's the title mean? What does that translate um, it to? It refers to a French uh, piano solo song. And the song ends up playing kind of a more pivotal role in the film than you would initially anticipate. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So yeah, that's it. I mean, it's a, it's a definitely an interesting film. I don't know who the exact audience for the movie is, you know, you have to definitely be interested in kind of independent foreign film. It is in Spanish, but uh, for me, this was great. It's just a wholly unique experience and I really appreciate that about it. So uh, I'm going to give this one an eight and I'm going to say it's a rental and it is rentable in SD for $3.99 and HD for $4.99 on most digital platforms like iTunes, Amazon, and the like. You've actually got me pretty intrigued. If you feel like answering this goes into spoiler territory, then feel free not to answer it. But how does it relate or compare to something like Hard Candy, for example? Um, Hard Candy, the turn in that film happens much sooner and is much more um, drawn out and bordering on kind of uh, torture porn-ish. Right. And this film is not that it, 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 and I think the thing you would not maybe appreciate about this film is how long it takes to get to that turn. Okay. I think you would have a problem with it and, and feel that that was a pacing issue. I don't think it is paced poorly though. Cause I think it's moving and interesting when it's happening. It's just a lot of that is just really dark drama stuff about this guy's twisted life that he's leading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more than it is really the horrific elements. I mean, the whole idea, I guess is horrific because in the background, we know what he's done as his normal life is going on and he's, you know, graduating at work and things like that. So it's kind of like on the Incredibles, not a horror movie (laughs) when Mr. Incredible is moonlighting as the superhero again. And he's like, you know, he's happy at work and <laughs> dancing around with his wife and blah, blah, Very blah. Very much so. This gives this guy his <laughs> mojo back. Right. And it's like a really creepy thing, I guess, to give someone their mojo back. Nice. I got gotcha. you. So you say, Wolfman Josh says, uh, Scherzo Diabolico is like an 8 out of 10. You say, rent it? Yep. And um, you got me sold on it, actually. When I first saw that title, I was like, nope, you know, I was just so closed minded, but, <laughs> but you've totally opened my mind and um, I, I want to watch this now, Josh. Well done. I mean, I, I do fear that you're going to say it's too slow for you and not enough happens in it. I'm just going to say that comes very, very late. And when it happens, it is, I, and again, this is very, very similar to the violence in um, Here Comes the Devil. It's brief, but it feels very real and intense and I love that yeah actually I, I like uh realistic violence like that yeah maybe come to this as though you're watching big bad wolves or a thriller and you may mm-hmm. be able you may be able to give it more leeway yeah yeah I think I would like I tell you what's the most off-putting for me next to the title is just the uh, cover art like the poster art on IMDB yeah it's a bad really poster. puts me off both but. versions, the festival poster is even worse than that poster. Oh, wow. Okay. That's but, saying something. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. That's a Scherzo Diabolico. All right. So, Josh, if you're ready for this, then I'll move into my feature review of Downhill. Woo! Is it on? 
Yeah, it's on now. I heard huh? it. I have no idea. My, my name is Joe Lamb. Hello? Dude, we found some, some guy in the woods. Okay, this is also a foreign film. It's a, a Chilean horror film. I don't know that I've ever seen a Chilean horror film. At least I wasn't aware of it. But this is one, uh, a new one. It's directed by uh, Patricio Valladares. And mm-hmm. once again, I also apologize about my pronunciation. But <laughs> the uh, premise is a competitive bicycle racer travels to Chile for an ex- exhibition. But during his test run down the mountain, he and his girlfriend happen upon an injured man who's dying from a mysterious virus. And this stars... Uh, Natalia or Natalie Byrne as Stephanie and Bryce Draper as Joe. He's the bicyclist. Now, Josh, the first thing I thought of upon watching this was that film called Freaks of Nature. Now, I never saw Freaks of Nature, but I heard you review it. And and as everybody out there knows, it was originally titled Kitchen Sink. And I always assumed, I think that director had like maybe a short film called Kitchen Sink or something, but presumably it was because it had several monsters in it, right? It's got vampires, zombies, aliens, right? Mm-hmm. You got it. Well, Downhill here could also be called Kitchen Sink as far as I'm concerned because of how many horror elements that the filmmakers try to include. So there's mm. a little bit, it's a little bit of an infected film. It's also a violent crime film. It's mostly that, in fact, it's also just a tiny, tiny bit of a Beastly Freaks film, a little creature feature there. And it's also kind of a religious cult type of film. And it's just a really bizarre blend of like all of the above. <laughs> the most interesting aspects, I think, uh, are just really kind of simple, dramatic story beats that would be more at home in a drama. And that was really the main things that interest me, but they are never developed and they don't really go anywhere. So like, for example, the bicyclist, they set it up in the beginning that he's haunted by a tragedy in his life and nothing is really done with this. Nothing happens from it. And, you know, it's a lot of setup, but no payoff. And then the other thing is the bicyclist has a, a secret which is actually a fairly minor, but I remember, you know, when I discovered it in the movie, I was kind of shocked, but then nothing ever comes of that, and that secret is not answered at all. And and the virus that, you know, they discover this guy who's infected with something nasty, um, nothing comes of that, and, like, really nothing in this movie is fleshed out at all. I mean, basically, you just have a lot of bad things happening to this couple, and the majority of the time, they're being pursued and chased and shot at by this group of, like, bad guys who, you know, want to shoot them. And that's kind of what you're looking at here. So, the storytelling is just kind of odd. And I feel like, I, I don't know, like, uh, you and I have dabbled in screenwriting. And I just wonder if, you know, the script or the the screenplay, like, the story itself 
just doesn't seem to be dialed in unless they were going for some kind of bizarre, weird, you know, I don't know, flighty type of movie. I don't know. Do you, do you have any thought? Like when a movie does that, do you think, okay, the screenwriters didn't know what they were doing or do you just assume, oh, well, they were just making artistic choices and like, <laughs> what do you think? I think it's okay to do your own thing with a monster or a subgenre if it's clear that the filmmakers understand the monster of the subgenre. I think I get more frustrated when I feel like it's just someone who's not actually a fan of horror and not a fan of those monsters. And they, they have heard about zombies because of the walking dead. And so they're going to make their own zombie movie and they don't really understand it. And so they're not following rules and they're changing things, not necessarily intentionally in a way that is enhancing or furthering the subgenre, but is just simply lazy or feels messy or incomplete. Mm -hmm. And and that's, that's what was my criticism with freaks of nature as well. I just felt like it didn't respect the monsters that it was using in the film. It didn't really do enough with them and use them in a way that is, um, the genre fans we expect or could appreciate. And so that, you know, I get frustrated with those types of things. Yeah. Yeah. And understandably so. Yeah. And so the, the, what you just described there kind of reminds me how in English class, your English teacher would always say to you things like, well, you have to understand the rules first before you break them. Because, you know, we would always be citing yeah. some, like, you know, really uh, classic author, like Hemingway or somebody. And it's like, well, he he wrote a sentence fragment right there. Like, what's up with that? Or, you know, and, he, and, they're, right. like, and they're like, you have to understand the rules before you can break them. Like, well, for this movie, Downhill, I, I just think the narrative structure is unusual, primarily because... Um, none of the threads really pan out anywhere. Like, and, and also it's the story is, is told in a weird order. It's not quite chronological and that's fine with me, honestly, except there appears to be no narrative purpose for this decision. So, um, it, it just, it really does feel kind of amateurish. Although I will say Josh, like the budget on this must've been pretty decent because the film looks fairly good. I mean, they've got like fancy like helicopter shots and all kind of stuff like that. Um, There's a lot of there's there's some found footage feel to it because they got some GoPro camera work in the beginning. But otherwise, it's conventionally shot. But the reason for that is because it begins as kind of a sports movie. You got like this downhill bike racer and and then it becomes kind of a crime thriller. And um you know, I, I think like the virus aspects of the movie remind me a lot of a movie that we just reviewed a couple weeks ago called Viral, where you got, you know, people coughing blood into other people's faces and that's mm. how they get infected and mm. there are worms involved. <laughs> like So anyway, but, <laughs> but I will say Viral is uh, better than Downhill, I think. Uh, I will say too that this movie is pretty gross. It has some unusual scenes it it uh, like at one point you know we get some random goats in this um which is <laughs> very, very weird you know you get some goats and a demonic looking woman who's like hooking it up with a bunch of cult followers and it's just randomly inserted in there and you're like what is going on right now so 
it's weird and it kind of made me laugh out loud. I think it was supposed to be scary and shocking, but it just kind of made me laugh. So anyways, I think that this movie actually, it has enough variety of weirdness that it may have actually been passable to me if um, they had just at least fleshed out one of the storylines. But um, Downhill is a four out of 10 to me. Oh man, that's too bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. And I just say avoid Downhill unless you want to watch kind of a train wreck of a movie that's really pretty weird. (laughs) So... There you have it. You going to check out Downhill now or what? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Good man. Good man. Okay, Josh. I think you wanted to talk about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. It began with the Black Plague. Within weeks, the dead began to rise. This cannot be. Hunting for human flesh. Now, the few of us that are left have only one way to survive. We must bring the fight to them. I've been training for this my whole life. The fairest wifely choice is to be right here in this room. My daughters are trained for battle, sir. Not the kitchen. A woman must have a thorough knowledge of singing, dancing, and the art of war. I had actually that slipped my mind, but yes, I will talk about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Did you see this movie? You've reviewed this on Movie Podcast Weekly, is that correct? Yes, sir. I sure did, in fact. Yes. Okay. And is there a reason you didn't review it on Horror Movie Podcast? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but um, I may have just mentioned it in passing at some point and kind of dismissively. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I'll, but I'll have more to say about it since you're going to talk about it. I do have a couple things. Okay, I mean, okay, let me start by saying I was a huge fan of the book when this came out. I thought it was a great idea. I loved all of these kind of um, takes on taking a classic story and inserting a monster, a genre monster. I know that you were not as big a fan of this idea as I am, but I just Mm -hmm. think it's a fun idea, especially in literature. And I think to be able to take something that's in the public domain – and make uh, sense and sensibility and sea monsters out of it is awesome <laughs> to me. Yes. And so I was really into the idea of Abraham Lincoln vampire killer or whatever that film was called. Oh my goodness. And uh, the movie ended up sucking. So I was upset <laughs> with that. It was uh, just too much CGI, too much action, not enough horror. And I think there's a lot of potential with something like that. And so uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies movie has been in the works since almost since the book came out, and Natalie Portman was attached to it for a while. Oh boy! And uh, <laughs> it didn't get made. But this movie is exactly you know as described it. They took Pride and Prejudice and they you know switched out the word love for Living Dead, and essentially that's what you have here. And so a lot of the movie is in line with what you would expect from a Pride and Prejudice movie. And I kind of like that about it. I like that mm-hmm. it's operating within this context that you don't really see in horror movies that often. Uh, that's interesting. And I like the I like a period set horror movie. I think that that's exciting. 
when I saw the trailers, I thought I'm never watching this movie right? <laughs> because it looked exactly like what I disliked about Abraham Lincoln, which was too mm-hmm. much action, too much gloss. Yeah. Too much CGI. And I wasn't interested in that. And especially they had the people using like what seemed to be katana blades or something. And they looked like they were, <laughs> I, I respect the Asian martial arts but I get tired of seeing them in every movie. I feel like give me some Asian characters or people who practice karate or something giving us the martial arts, but don't make everyone who fights in a movie suddenly a martial arts expert. That just bugs me. I want to see different styles of fighting. And the idea that that would be inserted into a period piece in England also really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> what about jujitsu? How do you feel about that? <laughs> no jujitsu. <either. laughs> All right. But what I liked is that they actually explain it in a hilarious way that fits with the original Pride and Prejudice. So I was instantly on board when they 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 have one line that explains why these young girls all fight with swords in the way that they do, and also some of the swords are actually like more like cavalry <laughs> kinds of swords, which is cool. Um, and I really bought into that. I I kind of bought into this world in that way. Still, I didn't love the look of it. It wasn't gothic enough for me. It had just too much sheen and not enough horror. But ultimately, it was a very enjoyable watch for what it was. I think if you, this is a gateway kind of thing. Like if your wife or significant other, male or female, is into, uh, you know, the BBC Pride and Prejudice, say, hey, maybe try... (laughs) Yes. Maybe try this on for size, and it actually is. I think is probably watchable to them, and they'll probably get a kick out of it. I would, I would expect. I, I a hundred percent agree with you, actually, because yeah, I actually think it sounds like we feel very similarly about this movie because, um, because yeah, I got to back you up on a few of your points. Number one, it does. This is definitely the same flavor in the same vein as um, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and also like Hansel and Gretel witch hunters i see that that one i think is more intentionally comedic but i i'm with you right right but yeah like victor franken frankenstein this feels somewhat similar to mm -hmm. yeah and and like you described the sheen like the polish yeah i mean it's a beautiful looking film but it's very like um candy store-esque or something and and i think i would have been on board with this because i'm going to make a confession right here on horror movie podcast i actually quite like the BBC Pride and Prejudice miniseries. There you I, go, yeah. I do. I've, um, you know, I've dated a lot of young ladies who wanted to watch that with me, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm a movie guy. Let's do it, you know? One first, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm into it. And I was actually amazed at how much of that story <laughs> is preserved and, and, and kept in this film. Like, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a lot of the story is there. You know, I thought, I just imagined, Josh, that it would be like, I don't know, 20% of that story, but no, they, they preserve a lot of it. What really bothers me though, just like you were saying is the action horror aspect of it. I mean, on one hand, yes, I think it's wonderful that we have strong heroin, you know, these ladies who are um, independent, they're fighters. They can handle themselves. They're just, mm-hmm. uh, that's wonderful. Right. And I mean, that's baked into the pride and prejudice story. And with just a small twist, you know, this, it works so well. True. That's true. And, um, you know, as a guy who has a daughter, you know, we have, you know, that's, that's great. It's great to have that kind of thing in a film. But I, 
action horror for some reason is not my subgenre. Even though I love action movies and I love horror movies, I don't like that blend together. And the reason is because when you have action horror, then your your um, so-called victims are no longer victims anymore. I think it messes up the calibration of the genre itself. I mean, I think it breaks something fundamentally and it when when your victims are supposed to be scared and they're like taking out monsters right and left, it's problematic for me. That's um, interesting. I, I want to talk about that for just one second if you don't mind. Because I don't it. have a problem with that aspect of it. I one of my favorite subgenres is mon- is monster slayer type of movies, this particularly vampire slayer movies. Yes. I love it. But to me, the problem is in this kind of dance-like choreography that we get into with, again, these Asian martial arts in a film like Blade or just these over-the-top like underworld movies where people are doing Matrix poses when they land. And I just (laughs) hate that kind of stuff in in a horror movie. And and I don't necessarily mind that I would have a, a protagonist who could hold their own against the vampire, but then do it like Dracula and give him a big buck knife or give, you know, give him a wooden stake and make him have to have to like really go for it. And this doesn't have the, you know, like Shaun of the dead was smart and having this cricket bat. It's, it's a very effective tool on one hand, but on the other hand, it's also just a cricket bat. So, right they they're in danger despite having a weapon you know you have to make you have to bring the danger a little bit closer and yes. when you've got a katana blade and you can do flips and spins and stuff it's just i don't feel like you're in that much danger yeah i absolutely agree with that and then that's the thing i mean in many many horror movies like conventional horror movies like you have a final girl a lot of times toward the end the victim does kind of rise up and and try to fight back and that's fine and that's why like some of your vampire slayer movies i don't mind those as much because there's still a genuine danger and even though they're bravely attacking like in um john carpenter's vampires for example even though they're going after the vampires um it's still a very risky proposition it's serious danger but in this movie pride prejudice and zombies they can be they're not afraid one bit of the zombies they can take them out at any time and what would it have been like josh this is i know this isn't the movie it was but i i mean i just lament this what would it have been like if it had been the actual pride and prejudice setting the period piece and then they were actually pretty freaked out that there were zombies around and it was like a, mm-hmm. a dead like just totally realistic take on them dealing with this in that mm-hmm. era yeah, it could have been really cool. And it's it's part way there. And um the parts that are there are awesome. Like there's one we talked about the rules of the monster. This movie you know, uh plays with the rules of the zombie, but I think in a in a pretty respectful way, in a way that isn't super satisfying as a horror fan. But there's one moment that something that Darcy does with the flies. Mm-hmm. That is one of the cooler elements I've seen added to zombie movies in years past. And I'd love to see that kind of a thing implemented in any zombie movie. It's such a great conceit. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. Super effective. Very smart. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, for zombie fans, you know, if you're like a zombie enthusiast, I think that's something to put in your, <laughs> make a mental note of, you know, as yeah. as something really cool that's added to the monster. But, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, where do you come in for a rating on Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, Josh? I'm not super high. It's not really my kind of movie. And I think um, it's not a very high quality film. But on the other hand, you can't, I can't take off too many points because it is effective in what it's going for. It's pulling off Pride and Prejudice and it's adding in for an action audience. It's adding in the zombies and it's not really, it's not failing on any of those terms. It just isn't working for me because it's not the type of movie that I enjoy. So um, one thing that happened a lot when we started doing these podcasts that you and I would often discuss is that my rating and my (laughs) recommendation would not necessarily match. And I think it's because the film quality wise is a lot better than I, than my enjoyment of it, if that makes sense. So it makes total sense. I love that about you. So, I mean, I think the film is probably like a 7.5. Okay. But for me, it's probably an avoid for most horror fans. (laughs) And I think it's a it's a rental if you think you know if action horror is your thing, or if um, Pride and Prejudice is your thing. Yeah, well, I like what you said there because um, honestly, I think the horror fans should know up front that uh, there's not nearly enough zombie stuff in this. I yeah. mean, I would ca- I would call it like what is it like fifteen to twenty percent zombies, like eighty percent Pride and Prejudice. Like yeah, I mean. Exactly. If this had more zombies in it, and, and there are a few good, pretty gory zombie scenes that are decent, but it's just not even close to enough. So for me, when I reviewed this back on episode 176 of Movie Podcast Weekly, I gave it a 5.5 out of 10. It's kind of middle of the road for me, and I call it like a rental. And I think that if this sounds appealing to you, it's something that would be perfect to stream on Netflix someday, maybe. And our, our buddy Carl gave it a 7.5 and called it a rental. So he was right there with you, Josh. All righty. All right. And at this point, moving right along in episode 98 of Horror Movie Podcast, we're going to have Josh's Netflix screaming segment. All right, this is Netflix screaming. We'll talk about what's screaming online. Love it. Love <laughs> it. I... <laughs> and uh, thanks again to Kagan from Salt Lake City. He's a listener, friend of the show, and a talented composer for the music. Love it. Today I want to talk about a show that is currently streaming on Netflix, a movie rather. And it was one that the poster kind of caught my attention, but... I, I know it, was, it kind of was like, I haven't heard of this movie and the poster is interesting looking, but maybe the film is not super high quality based on this poster. <laughs> and so I kind of it sat on my list for a little while and I kept going back to it and back to it and thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to watch this. And finally I just decided one day, okay, I'm going to push play. I'm going to do it. I'm so glad I did. It was a really, really fun experience watching their watching. <laughs> yeah. The film is called, they're watching, right? That's right. 
So they're watching is a 2016 film. It's written and directed by Jay Lender and Micah Wright. And Jay Lender is an animation guy. He is the director of 25 episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants, and 17 episodes of Hey Arnold. And uh, yeah, they're they're writers, directors, and um, and animation. So like, they're not necessarily Phineas and Ferb. They're not necessarily the kinds of guys you would expect would be horror fans. But it's clear watching the film that they are. And as I watched the movie, I was instantly impressed with the use of documentary filmmaking in a found footage film. So. We're talking about three found footage movies here right in a row here at this point in the show. And all of them attempt to use documentary filmmaking to add realism to kind of a found footage conceit. These are more faux documentaries or mockumentaries than they are found footage films. All three of these. And their watching is based around a reality show. So – the conceit of their watching is that an American home improvement television show goes to Eastern Europe uh, to film an episode and it's split into two parts. They go earlier to kind of see the before with the client and then they come back a few months later to see the after and what is, you know, the improvement she's made on her house. And they instantly run into, you know, a few, issues with some of the locals and uh, in, in town. And then she lives further out into the woods and some spooky things kind of start happening. But mostly everything that's happening is based on the human conflicts that are happening, you know, with the characters in the story. And the fascinating thing for me about this, as I, as I mentioned, was how well this pulls off a reality TV show crew and shoot i've worked on um a lot of documentaries as people know i, I produced a reality show uh, non-fiction television series and i've worked on a bunch of just like small crew indie you know uh, web video kind of shoots and this is so so similar and done so so well in terms of how uh, this crew operates and interacts with one another and how they would actually go out and collect the shots that they need. And what's interesting about this movie is it's being presented as a film made by one of these characters. So it's not, you know, technically found footage. It's being presented as, as a documentary, but it's cut the way found footage would be cut. They're showing you not the scenes uh, of the reality show that they're filming of this home improvement show, they're showing you the scenes between the scenes. Right. So it's kind of like the, you know, this filmmaker took the outtakes from this home improvement show and made his documentary out of it. And it's really just fascinating the way they use um, filmmaking to tell the story in just a way that I haven't really ever seen pulled off before. And, you know, this is one of my favorite ways of doing found footage. And I, you know, and I often complain about, the level of realism in it. And this has its moments. It's not perfect. It definitely has a few moments or even several moments where the reason the camera is rolling doesn't really make sense. Or the reason the camera's where it is doesn't really make sense, but they go out of their way to make the filmmaking real. And knowing that these guys come, you know, from the industry, 
I really believe it. Like I really believe <laughs> these characters. And the problem with this film for horror fans will be what transpires in the final act because it goes nuts at the end and it gets a little wacky and a little silly. And it's a shame to me because the film that's set up is so real and effective that when it gets kind of over the top at the end, um, I was surprised. And I, when I went and looked it up on IMDb afterward, it is listed as a comedy first horror thriller, which I didn't get at all. Like when I was watching the movie, I, I definitely, there are some very funny characters in the film. Like the actors are very funny in it. And you get the sense that maybe even some of that is improvised. But of course these guys come from uh, animation comedy writing backgrounds. So they are funny guys as well. But these actors, particularly Cress, Oh, sorry, Chris Lemke. I don't, I don't know him, but he is probably best known for Ginger Snaps. Um, he's in Existence, and he's in Final Destination Three. So horror fans would recognize uh, Chris, mm-hmm. and he is so good and so funny and so real in this movie. I just really, really enjoyed him. Um, Bridget Brana is an actress that probably everyone will recognize just from being on a hundred episodes of a bunch of television shows. Right. But I didn't really know her from anything in particular. And then there were a couple other actors that are also um, pretty good. And and only one that I felt like was a little bit weak, but mostly they're all really good. So very strong cast, very strong concept, a very believable concept and really strong execution. But then for some reason, um, and maybe, maybe because they were intending to make a comedy all along, this final act just goes a little, for me, haywire. Uh, it's still enjoyable for me as, if you're expecting it, but I feel like someone like you who would have, I think you would get really sucked in by the realism. Yeah. You'd probably have a really hard time with the ending. I think if you're going in and you can anticipate that this is going to get nuts, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. <laughs> it, it gets nuts. And, um, and if, you, and if you're in the mood for that, you, you could probably watch this and have a really fun time with that as well. That was Michael Keaton in Batman. <laughs> well done. I like that, that quote. Um, no, so thank you for telling me that because, yes, I would be very ticked if I went, you know, two-thirds through the film and I was, like, totally drawn in and then it goes way off the rails. That really bothers me when that happens. So um, I appreciate the heads up on that. But for people who who like silly stuff and comedy horror. I mean, what what is it comparable to in the third act? I mean, are we talking like Bad Milo or something? Um, it's just that the threat is, is a bit cartoonish and unbelievable to me. It still is kind of intense, but it's legitimately scary at other points in the film. And then at the end, I think the... It's more of like a laugh. I can't laugh because you can't believe what you're seeing. Kind of like grindhouse kind of thing, like a little bit Planet Terror or something. Like heads are popping off in silly ways, kind of. You know what I mean? Like right. Um, which again just kind of took me off guard because it didn't seem like that kind of movie. Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. Well, what do you rate uh, they're watching then? So they're watching uh, is really strong in some ways. It's kind of like like a really, it would be like a really good Blair Witch kind of movie. Like it's an interesting witch in the woods kind of movie. Like there's something supernatural going on in the woods. These people are out in Eastern Europe and 
in some ways it really I was like, wow, this is almost like a better <laughs> Blair Witch sequel in some ways. Oh, great. <laughs> but it's not but it's not nearly as scary as that. It's it's but it is very real and it is very fun. It's a lot of fun. If you are someone who enjoys found footage movies, I feel like you'd really get a kick out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give this one eight. <laughs> I wasn't exactly sure. I am going to give it an eight. I am going to call it a rental. And it's a, if you like found footage, I think it's a high priority rental kind of film. It's fun. The ending is a little insane, but it is streaming for free on Netflix. So if you have a subscription, it's a easy uh, one to watch. And then it's still only like a three ninety nine digital rental on YouTube, iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, Google Play, just pretty much any streaming outlet. You can find this for about three ninety nine. So, I would definitely recommend that if if you're into found footage and um and a little bit of horror comedy. And if you uh, have Netflix, yeah, it's it's an easy commitment. All right, and that movie is called They're Watching, as in they are watching. Yes. All right. Thank you, Josh. And before we move into the triangle, which I'm very excited to talk to you about, I just want to put a little PSA here. (laughs) So I got mixed up on our schedule. And this week I had actually watched Rob Zombie's 31 in preparation for this episode. But we're not reviewing that tonight in depth. We're going to save that or or at all for that matter. But we're going to save it for the Creepy Clown episode in November. But I just wanted to mention to the listeners, if you haven't seen it yet, it is available on Amazon for, I saw, uh, $10. Do not pay $10 for this. (laughs) Okay, so, you know, I'm just doing my job as a film critic. Uh, Wait until November, and then you can rent it for like $3.99 or whatever. (laughs) And then, you know, watch it then to prepare for our review in November. That's this little PSA. So I haven't actually made it to the theater to see this yet. Would you would you feel like paying seven dollars to see it in the theater would be a mistake? Well, unless you're a Rob Zombie fan. Like if, if you're into Rob Zombie. I'm I'm and, zombie curious. And I'm not I'm not talking, you know, devil's rejects stuff. Although I'm just saying, I mean, for me at least, I was like you, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this movie doesn't have a white horse in it, okay? But, but still, I'm like, man, okay, Rob, thanks. Then, you know, so you know, I don't hate it, but we'll, we'll talk about it more. But I don't know, I'd be on the fence. It really has to. It would have to do with how much you love Rob Zombie or not. Otherwise, for the people out there, I would kind of wait until November and rent it for a cheaper price. <laughs> so, follow your heart, Josh. This is Adam from Chicago, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror. All right, so let's move into this week's feature review of The Triangle. But as far as this being a cult, yeah, give it a name. We are, according to the predominant, you know, paradigm of of what a cult looks like and what a cult is, it's the cage of words. you know, you can wrap this place in a cage of words and try to intellectualize it and understand it, but it's just an Alamo. It's to retouch the human heart in a new, different way. Not even a new way. To revisit a way that has been lost in our contemporary society. Okay, The Triangle is a 2016 film written, starring, and directed 
by David Blair, Nathaniel Peterson, Adam Pittman, Andrew Rizzo, and Adam Sitwell, Stillwell, and uh, along with some of their friends. Mm-hmm. And this is a found footage film dealing with, again, some filmmakers. This time it's four documentary filmmakers. And just from the IMDb description, they take their cameras into the Montana wilderness to document the mysterious inner workings of a young community with a secret. A young so, community with a giant secret. Yeah, that's right. Now, Josh, I don't, I, sorry, I don't want to cut you off or anything. I just want to tell you, thank you for letting me know about this movie and encouraging me to watch it with you. Go ahead. I, I, I was going to jump in and I'm, I'm resisting the urge. Go ahead. Well, cool. I mean, this was, I know that some of the filmmakers for this film are listeners to the podcast or at least have become listeners to the podcast since sending us their film to review. Uh, this came up uh, about on Twitter. We were, uh, you know, in touch with them and they asked us to review the film and, and we said we would, and, and they mentioned that they'd been listening to some of the podcast episodes. And so that's, it was kind of a fun interaction but it also kind of that sometimes that makes me nervous because then I'm like, oh, I hope I hope I like this movie. Yeah, now there's pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I just uh, wanted to say before you before you said that because I had no idea about that. Um, I'm a big fan of Andrew Rizzo and his character in this. In this, I mean, they basically play themselves. I don't know if that's really how they act in real life, but they they play like their names in the film are their names in real life, and um, Andrew Rizzo. I've known people like that character, and um, I have more to say about him later. But uh, see, here I am jumping in again. I'll shut up. Go ahead. That's okay. That's okay. So Andrew Rizzo plays a Dave Eaton type. <laughs> Just <shut up. laughs> that, That's true. No, you're right. That's funny. Do you know Dave Eaton? I don't. No, I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, but but, <laughs> but I get but I get an Andrew Rizzo vibe from uh, his music videos. So <laughs> that's. That's hilarious. Uh, what a weird coincidence. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but Josh, okay, so I, I can't stand it anymore. Josh, Go for it. Go nuts. To me, I, okay, I actually really enjoy this film. To me, this is not a horror movie. To me, it's a drama first, a mystery second, under the guise of a faux documentary, which is very well done, by the way, but... But I mean, do you, is this a horror movie to you? I'm just, I, I think we should just put that out there because this is light on the quote unquote horror. Yeah. I mean, I think it is light on traditional horror. I think it has uh, a really profound psychological effect. And, mm-hmm. and part of that is because I'm still not completely sure if this is a documentary or not. Like, I mean, I know, I know that it's, you know, <laughs> you mean, you mean you think it might actually be a documentary um, I mean, I, I believe that I don't believe that the events transpired right. the way they transpire in the film with some embellishment, maybe. But it's it's so <laughs> realistic. Like, again, we're, we're covering three found footage films. All of them deal with filmmakers. All of them go out of their way to try to be grounded in the reality of filmmaking. And they each are pretty successful of the three films. This is the most successful in feeling real. So, mm-hmm. like, I think their watching was the most successful in utilizing the filmmaking aspect to kind of help tell their story. Mm-hmm. It still felt very staged. It felt very movie-like throughout. This doesn't feel movie-like. This feels no, no. <laughs> like I, I make documentaries for a living. You do. This feels like my life. Like it feels like the kind of situations I'm in. 
I, I can imagine all of this happening and it looks the way it's shot. It's so rare that you yes. get like a mockumentary faux documentary that actually feels like a documentary. This feels exactly like a documentary. Absolutely. It does. I back you up a hundred percent. It is, it is absolutely convincing. And, and yeah, like the, it's funny you say all this because the whole time when, when watching this, I'm like, Okay, is is some of this actual documentary and then they just embellish it in order, yeah. you know, like cuz you know, they want to embellish it to get to the um uh, the juicy stuff so to speak. But yeah. but otherwise, I'm like I wonder if these guys were uh, filming this documentary and they were looking at what they had and they're like you know, this is kind of weird and intense. It has an uneasy vibe to it. Let's um Let's embellish it with these little details and then make it a weird, troubling film. Because even though it's not horror to me, this this film had me very uncomfortable like the whole time. I had a, a true sense of dread. You know, um, Nick Peterson that was on the show a couple of times, mm-hmm. uh, you know, does commercials and short films and stuff. Oh, yeah. Big fan. I like After that. I talked to him, he was trying to convince me because I'm working on a documentary now that I'm trying to make a legit horror documentary because there aren't really any that completely exist. I would say the nightmare is maybe the closest. We're going to do a horror documentary episode coming up, so I won't go into this too much. Mm -hmm. But he was trying to get me to turn my film into essentially a found footage film. So he was saying, you do three-fourths of the documentary just the way you're going to do it. Right. But then at the end, you make it into – you fictionalize the ending and you just release it as though you're a documentary filmmaker. And this is a documentary <laughs> and you don't tell anyone, you know, I would love it. That's what these guys did. Huh? That's why well, when you <laughs> said that, I thought it's, that's what it seems like. It seems like they made another documentary, but it, I, I mean, the reason I don't think that is because the production design is so good. Right. <laughs> when they get out to, so basically what you have is these guys receive a, a letter or a postcard from their friend that says, Hey, um, I'm, I've joined the commune essentially. So they go out to figure out what's going on with their buddy. They're trying to figure out is, is he joined a cult or is he just kind of like being kind of hippy dippy out here? What, what exactly is this? They're a little <laughs> bit worried about him. Yeah. And cause he's been gone for three years. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the postcard, the postcard's mostly normal. And then it says, we need your help. And it was like, yeah. what? Like, yeah. And the po- and and this film has a similar vibe to the Sacrament, the Ty West film. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think it's horror in the way that that film is horror. But again, that movie feels still like a movie, and this feels so real. And so right. the horror doesn't maybe go as far as it does in the Sacrament, but because it feels like it's actually happening. It is actually just as effective to me, the horror, in some ways more so, because I'm completely buying into the reality of this situation. Yeah. Whereas with the sacrament, there's still a level of artifice, you know, that it doesn't completely rid itself of. I and would I agree that's with the that. real genius of this movie. Well, here's the thing, Josh, and I know you'll you'll totally pick up on this because of your love for mysteries and murder mysteries and so forth. Yeah. Um, in, in this film... The mystery, like the mysteriousness of it, because it is very mysterious. I mean, especially by the time the film's over, you're like, that was mysterious, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I mean, I, I could have said that out loud after watching it this morning. But like, um, when you're done watching it, like the the mystery is 
a tiny bit unsettling. It makes you uneasy. It's like, okay, now what am I supposed to do with that? What did this give me to take away? But I I totally am with you because I thought going into this, it was going to be one of those creepy abduction into occult movies. Like, like you mentioned the sacrament. I thought of like Holy Ghost people or Red State or Colonia. Yeah. yeah, and and I actually love those kind of movies, by the way, and it has that vibe to it for sure. But it's kind of a different thing, somewhat. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. I, I think you can credit really strong camera work, really strong acting, mm-hmm. to lending this sense of realism. I mean, I would say the one thing again that doesn't quite for me is the production design, but that's also just because it's so good. <laughs> The production design is maybe the only thing to me at this camp that they go to that just looks a little too great for real life. But um, but overall, I mean, yeah, it's it, it. I really enjoyed these actors. I would like to see them in more things. Like if this has a level of honesty in the performances, like when we when I saw Blue Ruin for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yes, the way I felt about Macon Blair is kind of how I feel about these guys. Like, wow, these there's something a step more real than most Hollywood kind of actor performances you, <laughs> right. you see. Well, and uh, I, I think maybe that's because the people on screen were kind of the real guys, I, I suspect. And- yeah, yeah, and I hope they actually shot it and everything too because that's, you know, I, I thought about this and I'll talk about this more when we review the Blair Witch Project, but the thing about the Blair Witch, the original Blair Witch Project is that the, the actors are the only people that touch the camera in that film. And so it's so realistic because there's not a cinematographer trying to make it look better. Like the worst found footage movie to me is redacted. And (laughs) there are several like that where just the cinematography is so stilted. Diary of the dead is another one where the cinematography (laughs) feels so stilted. There's a really bad one called skew. that. (laughs) <laughs> well, my, well, my point is what I'm specifically referring to, and I don't know if Skew does this, is that just the camera work feels like movie camera work. It at no point ever convinces you that these characters are the people operating the camera. Right. And, and, and I think Blair Witch does that because they just really went for that. And I think that's what happened with the triangle, too. As I look here at the credits, the three credited cinematographers are the three of the actors. So I'm hoping that they were literally just carrying the cameras around in character because that to me is a reason that that this would be so effective. I don't know why people don't do this more. I don't know why Adam Weingard wouldn't think of this because it's so easy. And yet, um, you know, I mean, it's it's scary and you know, maybe you don't, maybe it's just the trust factor of trusting your actors to be able to pull it off. But right. I could see that. It's a, it's such a simple idea and yet it works and that, and it's, they do a lot in post-production here. So it's edited and there's awesome music and like the, the way it's put together is really strong. There's split screen throughout. And I think that was, that was really effective. They did a great job. These scenes play out in real time. A lot of that, uh, split screen stuff. And you know, because you're seeing the same event from three different camera angles at the same time. And yeah, I didn't love this split screen. I have to oh, say, you didn't? and I, I thought for certain that you would get on here and say that you were not fond of that either. I thought it was great because it, it just, again, it added a level of authenticity to it. And I, it also feels like something that a real documentary filmmaker might do if they wanted to accomplish what the filmmakers here were trying to accomplish. Because, you know, you can't do that. You wouldn't do that in a fictional film necessarily. Um, 
because you have other tricks you can pull from. But when you're limited to what really happened, you have to start getting creative about how, your presentation. And, 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 and not obviously, um, you know, fictional filmmakers are, far, are very, very creative. But documentary filmmakers, because of the limitations, have to get creative in a different way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, I, I liked it. It had a Mike Figgis kind of vibe to it, I guess, okay. maybe. Yeah. You know, that, and maybe that's off-putting to some people. But I think, you know, like Miss Julie does it so well. Or um, what's his other movie that that really weird one? The oh, Time Code with Salma Hayek. Oh, That's yeah. a bit much. <laughs> this, this isn't that far, but it, it has a bit of that Miss Julie kind of vibe to it. Another thing I want to comment on in this movie is the dialogue, and I think if people watch this, they should definitely pay attention to that. There's not nearly as much dialogue about their philosophy as I wish there could be. I mean, they yeah. have they have bigger fish to fry, I guess, but. But I thought that the the discussion about the commune's philosophy and their ideals and kind of where they're coming from and their principles, I thought that was very uh, right on the money, credible. I mean, I found that believable and it was really well written. And it just makes me wonder, like we've been talking about and speculating is like to, to what degree is some of this real? But um, yeah. I, I wish I knew a little bit more about the production of the film because... It's kind of fascinating. Well, if they're lis- if they're listeners, maybe they'll tell us. But it, one more comment on Andrew Rizzo, and I'm sorry to now I feel weird saying all. I was gonna say all this anyway, Josh. It's in my notes. I was gonna say all this before you told me that maybe they listen. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, I didn't. Yeah. No, it's fine. I'm gonna say it anyway because um this Andrew Rizzo character, he he seems to be the leader kind of at the um commune. And what I love about that character is how passive aggressive he is. He's one of those people and and all of these exchanges are really good to me and they just make me on edge where where he's he's challenging people and he's acerbic. He's kind of in their in their face or in their mix, but then you know, at the same second he turns around and says something nice, but you still get the sense this is a backhanded you know, yes. compliment. He's not really being sincere. He's actually being passive aggressive. And and that character just made me feel extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. I really like the way that um, the movie deals with these really awkward social situations. And yes. again, when you're a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker, and you know, these guys are even a step further because it's their friend, but you're st- sometimes you get stuck in these situations. You really can't do anything about it other than, kind of go along with what the people are doing. You know, I talked about this when I talked about um, the time I almost got eaten by bears and wolves <laughs> filming <laughs> in Alaska. But I really, you know, I was like, at some point I thought, wow, I just watched these hunters butcher this moose. I saw them wrench its head off its body, take all of its skin off, cut open its stomach and, and you know, clean out its guts. And I realized I'm sleeping with these guys in the woods and I've never met any of them. I don't know these guys. I'm a, I'm a million miles. I'm a, literally a hundred miles from anything. What if they, they do that to me? Yeah, they could just murder me. And I know also only one person even knows I'm here. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like I, I think that happens sometimes as a documentary filmmaker, you find yourself in these situations where it's like, well, this is happening. So I guess I'm going to have to be polite and kind of go along with, with this, even though it's kind of sketchy. 
and you don't really know what else to do other than kind of, you know, you're there to be a fly on the wall and to kind of blend into the background. And so you kind of try to accommodate the subjects a little bit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then, so this character uses that and maybe not like completely manipulatively, although a little bit, but right. <laughs> um, you know, uses that uh, to his advantage in some ways. <laughs> yes, he does. Okay. Well, Josh, so you got to go first this time. Cause this one's a tough one for me. Uh, what would you rate the triangle? So, I mean, I, I will agree with you that I think a general horror audience may find this uh, too light on horror to, to be called horror, to, to appreciate it on that level. But I think uh, our listeners who are more familiar with kind of uh, independent film or our house cinema would really be able to appreciate this one. I think it's, you know, it works on a psychological level. It works um, in just kind of a, a, a visceral, realistic experience. Um, and like you said, like the not as intense as something like a red state or a sacrament, but playing in similar waters and due to, as I said, it's realism, it, it has still quite an impact on you. I think it's just also just a great movie. And so I'm going to give this one a nine. Wow. Nine out of 10. I don't know what the purchasing options are for this film, but I, I would be okay saying buy it. You know, for me, this is a buy it, but um, for most people, you know, try it as a rental first. It is, um, different. It is unique. It's not a, a typical film. And so it's not going to be for everyone. I know that it is streaming, uh, digitally in a few places, uh, like Amazon for online. four bucks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And people can find it. Yeah. On VOD on iTunes and Amazon and probably voodoo and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I definitely say check it out. Yeah, and just so people know, um, this is The Triangle from 2016, directed by David Blair, Nathaniel that Peterson. Other triangle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that other triangle is pretty interesting. <laughs> it's interesting, but um, yes. So yeah, David Blair, Nathaniel Peterson, Adam Pittman, Andrew Rizzo, Rizzo and Adam Stillwell. Lots of Adams associated with this. But okay, so for me, Josh, yes, I want to just reemphasize to the the audience not a horror movie to me but it is a weird drama slash mystery um after watching it um i felt sufficiently weird <laughs> like and um you know is it is it f do you feel like fulfilled and i think that that's part of the the mystery of it i think that's why it's mysterious because when the film ends like i didn't know quite how to feel about it and that's kind of interesting to me. So, yeah, like uh, so yeah, for me, this is like an an interesting um, entry into the cinema. I call it a seven point five out of ten. I'd call it definitely a strong rental. I think people should check it out if you if you like interesting movies. This is this is one that you could watch with your um, friends and maybe have a little discussion about it afterwards. I think it's an oddity. I would call it a cinematic oddity. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And yeah, people should check it out. So there you go. That's our review of The Triangle from 2016. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the, again, like I know you were <clears throat> wanted to go out of your way to say like, hey, I didn't know these guys were listeners before I formed these opinions. Um, <laughs> yes. I think that's that's great and that's fine too. I I uh, I also would not 
say something was good unless I thought it was good. And so, right. um, you know, I was interested in reviewing this movie initially because I thought it looked cool. Like I read the I read the description, I saw the poster, I watched a trailer, and I was like, "Ooh, I want to watch this." And then it just so happened we were able to connect. So, yes. yeah, it was, it was, there was nothing. Jay's already talked about <laughs> be, the attempt to bribe him and how that has failed. <laughs> That's right. But if the price is right, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, anyways, um, uh, and maybe and maybe they'll let us know how mad they are about our review in the show notes for this episode, or maybe they won't listen at all. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows if they're still listening? We'll see. Yes. Okay. So at this point in horror movie podcast, episode 98, before we get into all of our Blair Witch coverage, I wanted to um, bring you some recordings from the field that we did in Indiana at the meetup. And I just took a couple of the listeners outside, you know, just two or three at a time and kind of got their feelings about the original Blair Witch Project. And we also talked about their anticipation for the new one. So I thought it would be fun to hear what everybody thought about it <laughs> beforehand. These clips may end up being a, a tiny bit repetitive just because I wasn't clever enough to think maybe I should ask everybody different questions so we could be covering different ground during this. But, you know, that's my uh, weak reporter skills. But anyways, it still is wonderful to hear from the listeners that were there at the meetup. So here are those clips now. Okay, I'm here in, uh, what is it, West Lafayette, Indiana. <laughs> We're at the meetup, and I'm going to be bringing out, like, some, you know, different people just to talk to. And right here, we got some very special guests, royalty in the podcasting True. world. That's, <laughs> That's right. That's we have in person Ron Martin and Jeff Hammer. Ron Martin, of course, the Resurrection of Zombie 7 fame. Welcome. Hello. How is everyone doing today? <laughs> Good. Hi. Hi. I'm Jeff. <laughs> and people also remember Jeff. He's on Zombie 7 sometimes, but Jeff is also from Zombie Reckoning, for those who remember the Horror Palace. Uh, Jay, you're the only work. one that remembers the Zombie Reckoning show. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show, though. Maybe Dr. Walking Dead. All seven episodes. <laughs> I loved it, actually. It was one of my favorites. Anyways, tell the listeners where you drove in from to get here. Uh, we drove from Bloomington, Indiana, which is about two miles south of here. It's where the resurrection of Zombie 7 base, home base is You just said two miles. Two miles? Two miles, two hours south of here. <laughs> That's right. It was a lot of traffic for the two miles. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you made it, though. Let me tell you this, Jay. If tell you it. Were, if you were at a bar in Bloomington, mm -hmm. and I went to the host of the bar and I said is Jay of the Dead anywhere in this building they would know in yeah that's good <laughs> you can't walk the streets of Bloomington without being mobbed <laughs> that's hilarious well so here's what I want to know we're about to go see Blair Witch and I just got to know from you guys have you recently revisited the original Blair Witch Project I have not watched the original Blair Witch Project in probably five years or so okay but I do enjoy the movie more so than a lot of other people do, including oh. Jeff Hammer. <laughs> I did not revisit it. I did want to, but uh, it just wasn't going to happen yesterday. So Okay. I watched it on the plane here, and I do have to say this. I, I was surprised at how, I guess, disappointing it is to revisit it because I think some of the power of it originally was in the fact that it was a lot of people thought it was real or there was hype around that. Did you and think so now, it was real, Jay? No, but I heard heard about people like 
passing out and all that ridiculousness where like there was this guy who's a factory worker really tough guy he saw it he couldn't sleep for three days so there was so much hype around it i thought it was going to be good and so i think that helped it be better when i saw it and where i saw it but upon revisiting it now this many years later i was really underwhelmed why do you still like it i like it because i think it's an ingenious way to film a movie okay and i don't think that that I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime deal, and I don't think that can be recreated. That's why I have my doubts about this new Blair Witch movie. Okay. Yeah, which we're about to see in about two hours here. And in full disclosure... Go ahead. The Resurrection is always seven podcasts. Our social media partners with Liongate, who's putting out the movie. So, I probably shouldn't have said that, but... <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Also, I don't know if you know this, Jay. Here's a little trivia for tell you. Tell it. Tell it. Uh, Heather Donahue from The Blair mm-hmm. Witch Project. Yes. Uh, the very famous... One of the most famous horror movie scenes of all time with her snotty nose and her crying into a camera. Yes. Uh, is good high, uh, old high school buddies with Little Miss Horror Nerd, my co-host on the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. Yeah, shout out to Jessica. <laughs> Still can't get her on our show, but... No, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I understand. Didn't you tell me that she is not interested in talking about that damn movie? Until this movie came out and she started doing all the rounds with all the horror websites. Oh, man. So even though you had asked her many times before... <laughs> it doesn't bother me nearly as much as it bothers Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I could understand that for sure. But the fact that it really gave a shot in the arm to found footage, so I think maybe another reason people might not appreciate it as much is like, what? It's just a found footage film, but at the time... It's the found footage film. Yeah. Now, when you say the found footage film, tell me why you say this. I believe the Blair Witch Project is the reason we still have found footage films and the reason it's still a genre okay do you think that's true jeff hammer there was some i don't even remember the name but there was some cannibal holocaust no i no. know what you mean it was like the last broadcast or yeah something. yeah that's the one there okay. was one that supposedly predated blair witch but it wasn't nearly as popular obviously right well i always look at like cannibal holocaust i i consider that found footage yeah, but yeah. even though it wasn't full-blown sure but, that's why I mentioned it. But still, yeah, like this, this is like Blair Witch is the big shot in the arm. But as far as hold up rewatch value, you still appreciate it for its. I just think it's a brilliant did. filming techniques. Okay. All right. I well, you know, I always respect what Ron Martin has to say. And uh, when I met Ron Martin, I was very impressed. You know, we don't really have a sense of what people look like and stuff. I have to say, he is very muscular, and he gave me a bear hug. (laughs) And I thought I was going to die for a second. So, uh, powerful man. I've been working out for just that moment. I'm super impressed with it. So, (laughs) anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. And uh, do you have anything you want to say to listeners, like, for example, where they can hear your show? You can hear the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast on Zombie7.com, or you can subscribe in iTunes, hit up on Facebook. Uh, We're going to have... Here's a little sneak preview. We're going to have uh, a little guy I like to call Jay of the Dead on the show <laughs> pretty soon. First week of October, I'm just saying. I cannot wait. I'm really <laughs> excited for that. Have you been telling people what you're reviewing? Because that's, that's a big deal. Uh, we're finally, and my listeners don't know this, so this is kind of a... Uh, they yeah, don't I'm know yet. I'm getting an exclusive <laughs> right here, brother. exclusive. Uh, okay, tell it. They'll find out next week, but we're finally getting to, after, after three years of podcasting, over 200 episodes. I'm uh, sorry, four years of podcasting, over 200 episodes. Uh, we're finally getting to the Halloween franchise. Yes. We'll be doing each movie, not the remakes, 
that each movie one at a time and devote probably like you know we usually about an hour and a half two hours on each movie so we're pretty in depth over there on the Resurrection of Zombies 7 podcast yes and it's uh, Little Miss Horner my co-host's favorite movie franchise so mm-hmm. uh, she passed out when uh, I told her the news we were actually going to be doing Halloween soon because she thought I was going to wait till she died <laughs> yeah yeah that's right and uh, I have the pleasure of re- reviewing with you Halloween 2 which I'm super excited about the original Halloween, the original Halloween, yeah. which is one the, of the the non-white horse, one Halloween of the best too. movie horror movie sequels of all time, in my opinion. But I'm with you. You'll find that out on the Resurrection of Zombie <laughs> Seven podcast. That's right. So check them out at zombie7.com. All right, here we are again on episode 98 of Horror Movie Podcast, and I'm here with three of our friends from the Horror Movie Podcast community, some very dedicated individuals. want to welcome here, we have uh, James Waters, who cruised in from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Welcome, James. What's up, HMP? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then we have um, our buddies from uh, the, and I'm serious, we have got a serious Ohio contingent, the Buckeye <laughs> State, one of my home states. Uh, we have uh, Greg and Jody cruised in from Toledo, Ohio. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Hello. How's it going, everyone? All right, so guys, first of all, isn't it amazing to be in here at the Nine Irish, whatever this bar is called, with some horror movie podcast friends and like just people who actually listen to the show? What, what's that been like for you, James? Oh man, it's 100% awesome. Yeah, I uh, never would have thought like a couple years ago when I first started listening to the show that I'd have a chance to be here with you know, the people that have expanded my horror movie excitement and everything else, to be able to talk to these people and have some camaraderie and share the same kind of, you know, stories and interests and all that kind of stuff. It's been really awesome. And you actually had um, some rather serious tooth injury last night, and yeah. you're in a great deal of pain, but you <laughs> still made this trip, and you're still doing this. Yeah, I try to be a hero once in a while. It's nice that people notice. Trust and believe. And then Greg here, I, I wish people could see it. You'll see it in the photos. He's got an incredible shirt. Tell him about this t-shirt. I love it. It popped up on Facebook. It's a, it's a Creature of the Black Lagoon, which was one of the starters for me uh, in watching horror. It was actually the, one of the first full-length features that I had seen when as, as a kid it's kid safe and yet creepy enough to keep it momentum <laughs> being with horror fans is just the greatest because sometimes it's hard to find mutual film studies and uh talking horror with other horror fans is great yes it is and and you and jody both were in film school your friends from that and other adventures and and uh, jody so talk about maybe how your film school experience has informed your love and appreciation of horror well uh, i was already a fan of horror films before film school but it was great to uh share that with all my fellow film students some of them were new to horror some were fresh out of high school just i uh, got an opportunity to write for the college newspaper the independent collegiate i wrote the horror movie reviews because nobody else wanted to go see them so i was happy to step up and take that job so it was a good time guy our kind of guy (laughs) are you going to help us out in october when we're doing some horror movie reviews for the website you're going to contribute absolutely all right thank you that's great so um in just uh, a couple of hours we're going to be going to see all of us together in the theater we're going to see the new blair witch have you guys had a chance to revisit the original blair witch project before this yeah and actually last week i had a chance to sit down my room and rewatch Blair Witch and uh, yeah it definitely it's incredible to see like when you're younger how much something affects you versus when you get older and mm-hmm. it's weird to see like something that still manages to pack the same punch the original Blair Witch Project was very innovative for its time and then you know you're waiting and waiting very patiently for it to hit its moment and then that last five minutes
minutes is pretty much as traumatizing for me as it probably is for just about any other viewer out there. So it was nice to see that it still holds up, and I'm pretty geeked to see what happens with the new one. I'm probably the only one here that's going to be going in uh, fairly not refreshed. I haven't visited it in over 10 years. So, but very, you know, I grew up in the woods, so <laughs> I'm ready to get freaked out yet again. Now, Jody, tell me if this is accurate for Greg, because I revisited on the plane, and basically you got these three high school kids. They go in the woods to do a documentary. They scream at each other. They're lost. They scream at each other. They're lost. They scream at each other. End of the movie. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing. No, but but it is. Anyway, for me, it was a little underwhelming upon revisiting it. What about for you, Jody? I thought it still held up. 10 out of 10 for me. Nice. But what was nice is I showed it to my daughter, who's now 18. She was too young when it first came out. So she saw it for the first time. And she actually had a lot different experience than I did. She went into it expecting that there was going to be jump scare after jump scare after jump scare because she's been watching the last 10 years of found footage movies so that's what she was used to so she thought it was kind of nice that it was more subtle. One thing I will say for it, the way they kind of unravel in the film emotionally it will get to you. It's a little unsettling because, you know, they start to kind of peel away mentally. They're not very stable the longer they're out there. Yeah, I could see it seeping into your bones a little bit. So, are you guys hopeful for the new film then? Do you think it's going to be any good, James? I really hope it is. Um, I'm going in fairly unsullied. I haven't seen a single trailer for it. I haven't read a single review. All I know is the fact that it's coming out and essentially I found that out just from seeing a movie poster outside of a theater. So I'm hoping that I'll get the same experience if not better. Alright. What about you Greg? You just right. cross your fingers or what? Yeah, crossing the fingers. Hoping for the best. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy the director. He's a good dude. Definitely with the slow burn which I have a feeling is what we're going to get today. Okay. Alright, Jody? Yeah, same thing. I'm pretty excited about the director Adam Wingard. So okay. enjoy his other films. Yeah, I agree. Well, before we wrap up, um, I want to see if you guys have anything you want to say to the horror movie podcast community or Wolfman Josh or Dr. Shock or Dr. Walking Dead. Do you have any messages, James? Yes. Wolfman Josh and uh, Dr. Shock, it's a shame you guys couldn't be here, so let's try to make this happen soon. All right, Greg? Yeah, I don't have much to say. I mean, just thrilled to be here, thrilled to see Jay. Would have been awesome to see Dr. Shock and Wolfman Josh, but uh, it is what it is. All right. What about you, Jody? Ditto that the other guy said. Just ha happy to meet Jay and would like to meet the other hosts someday soon. All right. I really appreciate you guys coming all that way and uh, making the sacrifices to be here, and I know the community is happy to hear from you on the show. guys here we are still outside of this um irish pub where they're being extremely patient with us i have to say and we're in west lafayette indiana we're at the meetup and i'm here with two good friends here we have dark mark who came in from los angeles los angeles and you're originally from pennsylvania is that right, right? yep okay welcome dark mark and we also have gomez 98 who came bringing many gifts including a cooler which had a Coca-Cola on ice and a Peanut Buster Parfait. He brought me a couple of Roger Ebert books, and he also brought gifts for GeekCast Ryan and for Carl and for Andy, and it was amazing. So welcome, Gomez. Thank you for coming. Hey, what's up? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's it's crazy to finally be on and recording and stuff and putting faces to names and meeting people, so hi. Yes, sir. Where did you come in from? Uh, Chicago-ish suburbs. I got you. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, so you also listen to Rob Booker's The Traders Podcast. Is that right? 
I did, and I, I stopped once they got rid of their producer. It just wasn't the same anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're too kind. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was like genuinely nice of you guys to come. Now, Dark Mark here is here. He's representing. He yeah. has a horror movie podcast t-shirt. The white one. Yeah, the white one. That's great. <laughs> and I know a lot of people ordered the white, so I wore my green today on purpose to kind of offset all that. But um, we're actually two hours away from seeing Blair Witch. Woo! And so tell me, are you pumped about this? Yes, I'm pumped about this. I turned 18 in 1999, so Blair Witch was one of the first movies I could see in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. On consequent watches, uh, not doesn't hold my attention as much. Yeah, okay, so you've rewatched it uh, recently? Yeah, actually, in the past couple of months. Lots of arguing in the woods. Right. right. <laughs> That's what I said. See, I've been saying that, and I'm wondering if I'm going to get any, um, you know, upset comments. But, yeah, I, I watched it on the plane flying here, and I was like, well, it's a lot of arguing, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> my favorite part is when Mike, I think, and it's the guy they hire, and he's like, I gave you back the map. Like, I love that line. Man, it cracks me up the whole time. I gave you back the map, Heather. I gave you the map. I gave you back the map. So anyways, Gomez, what do you think of horror? Uh, you know, Jay, it's not real. You know, it's just, it's all, (laughs) it's just movies. And, uh, it's all kind of, it goes over my head. I don't really get into it. Nothing, not that nothing scares me, just, I don't know, I don't really get into horror that much. Although... I did really enjoy the first Blair Witch, so I'm kind of pumped about this new one coming out, so it should be fun. Well, you're a good sport. You and Carl and GeekCast Rye are all going to Blair Witch with us, even though Carl wanted to see something other than a horror movie. (laughs) So it's really cool of you to join us for this, and uh, I'm grateful for that. So um, before we wrap up, I just want to know, Dark Mark, do you have any final words for the horror movie podcast community, for Wolfman Josh, or for uh, Dr. Shock or Dr. Walking Dead? Oh, well, I miss all of you guys. Uh, wish you could be here. Dr. Walking Dead, love to hear you on the show again. We love you. We miss you. We know you're busy. And uh, October's coming up, so excited about horror movies. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, and here we are again with two more listeners. I know that everybody out there will be familiar with these two gentlemen just because... You know, sometimes they have things to say in the comment board. So, <laughs> so we have our friend Juan here who flew in from Houston, Texas. I want to welcome Juan to Horror Movie Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> and we also have our buddy Dino who came in. You drove from Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome, Dino. Thanks, Jason. By the way, I just want to tell a listener something. This is a little personal note. I hope they don't mind me putting a little extra color in on this. But I've said many times that Juan straightens me out on the message boards. <laughs> and I I think that's great. Actually, Dino calls me out quite a bit, too, now that I think about it. but I think he calls you out a lot more than I do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Juan is just a very gentle man and just a very nice guy, and I really appreciate it. And then when Dino walked in to the bar, I met him last night, I was like, man, this guy is GQ. He looks he looks like he's all, <laughs> all business, right, all right. very serious business, and um, I'm sorry for every time I ever smarted off to Dino. So anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm so happy you're here. We in, in like an hour from now, we're going to go see the new Blair Witch all together, which is incredible. Sure. We have a lot of people here. And the first thing I'd like you to talk about is just what's it been like to hang out with these people that you talk with on the message boards and who listen to the shows? It's been great so far. Uh, everyone's been so nice to me and uh, welcoming. It's nice to finally be able to put a face to some of these people. Like Dark Mark, I had no idea what he looked like. Dark Mark, uh, yeah. Yes. 
He's a very nice guy, by the way. Mm -hmm. Hey, Dark Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dino already know what it looked like, so it wasn't a big surprise to see how uh, gorgeous he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, last night Ryan said, I forget, it was a blend of something with Ralph Macchio, and Ralph Macchio is very, very Ralph handsome man. He is. Yeah, he I is. see that a little uh, bit. Yeah. It's a little stereotyping there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, jeez. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been great. I've had a great time and uh, we still have the rest of the day to go. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see uh, where things go. And uh, what about you, Dino? I'm looking forward to the movie. I think it'll be interesting to see how everyone is in the theater. I mean, I'm interested in seeing the movie, but, you know, I, I can't wait to see Jason, you know, watching a movie with his notebook and... <laughs> I'll have it. Yeah, I know I know. Ryan is uh, he's usually on his phone in the theaters and yes. stuff like that. So I think uh, I'm interested in the movie, but I'm interested in seeing all the guys in the theater, too. Well, the, the only way that you'll be able to see that is if you sit all the way in the back with us. So. Yeah, which I don't know if I'm going to do yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's a back row thing. So you, so Dino, where do you prefer to sit? Just so we know, I sit pretty close to the screen. Wow! Yeah. Wow. So, so we'll row. see. I don't know if I'm going to do that today though, because you guys will probably throw goobers at me yeah. or something. <laughs> we, we just might. <laughs> so did you guys get a chance to revisit the original Blair Witch recently? I haven't uh, revisited it in the last few months, but I, I think I saw it maybe uh, around February or so. Okay. Uh, so it, it's still sort of fresh in my mind. Uh, I still think it's a massive masterpiece it's very high up in my uh horror list probably top 25 of all, of all time and it's definitely my my favorite fan footage film for sure so uh, i'm excited to see this new take i really like this director so um i have a lot of uh, hopes for it you said a masterpiece so um you're gonna be really mad when you hear the other things i say about it not that i don't like it but okay but why do you say masterpiece one why am i saying masterpiece yeah. uh, i just uh think it's a it's a trail one of those trailblazing kind of movies uh, that opened up the, the gates for a new, a new genre to um, to be born and uh, and it did it really really well for it for being the first time I don't know I just I like the performances I like the story and I love the ending I think the ending is classic it's a really nice twist if you haven't seen the movie please do yourself a favor and don't spoil it because uh, I think it'll it'll surprise you okay. yeah. it's definitely surprising I'll say that yeah <laughs> I'm just one. I'm just messing. Don't be so mad. Um, what about you, Dino? What do you say? I think the last time I saw the original The Blair Witch Project was uh, back when you did the found footage special. Um, that was what last October, I think. Yeah, Sometime? I believe so. Something I like that. So. so it's it's sort of fresh in my mind. It's not a movie that I, re I revisit that often, but I do love it. It's one of my favorite found footage films, and and that's a subgenre that I really like. So the ending of the film really. It still gets me. But I'm looking forward to this one. I haven't watched any trailers. I don't know what the premise of the film is or anything. So going in uh, as fresh as I can, the only thing that I've seen is the, the pretty terrible Rotten Tomatoes score that it has right now. But, mm, you know, well. so maybe that's good. Maybe that's lowering my expectations a little bit. But, yeah, no, I'm excited to see what this, uh, what this new one has in store. And that hasn't discouraged me too much because, well, first of all, we know how critics feel about horror. And that's one side of it. They're not usually very respectful. And then seeing how how high they have that stupid Bridget Jones movie. I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> if they think Bridget Jones is good, then I guess we don't want them thinking, we don't want them in the same ballpark. But anyways, so we're going to go see that very soon. And before we wrap up here, I just want to see, do you have anything you'd like to say to the Horror Movie Podcast community, to uh, Wolfman Josh, Dr. Shock, or Dr. Walking Dead? 
I really appreciate the work that you guys do. Uh, it's brought a lot of joy into my life. It's changed it in a way for the better. I think uh, I've grown very fond of you guys, um, all of the hosts and all of the, the people that, that uh, frequent the, the comment boards. Um, everyone's super nice. It's a really nice community. Everyone's respectful. Everyone's intelligent. Everyone's aware that, uh, you know, we're not just a bunch of weirdos. It's just a, it's just a preference that we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, yeah, keep listening to the show. Uh, get on the comment boards. I know I haven't been doing a, a, a good job with that lately myself. Myself, but uh, it's just been busy. Uh, but hopefully, I'll, I'll get back on track come October. Yeah. Thank you, Juan. And what do you say, Dino? Yeah, I mean, pretty much the same as Juan. Uh, you know, Wolfie, Doc. I wish you guys could have been here. It would have been a lot of fun. Um, I'm sure we'll meet up sometime in the future. That's right. Uh, but you know, the great thing about this community is, um, for me personally, I don't have really anyone in my life who likes horror so you know finding people to to talk about the genre with or actually you know movies in general all genres it's not something i really have in my personal life that much so it's nice to have a community where you feel comfortable and safe and you can discuss the movies and genres that you love so thanks to everyone for that yeah absolutely so we're off to see blair witch here in a few minutes and then after that movie i'm going to try to get everybody's rating real quick so uh, everybody can look forward to that so at this point uh, we're gonna start moving into the the final moments of the podcast we got a, a big huge review coming up here for Blair Witch and what I thought we would do Josh and this is inconvenient for you because you haven't been privy to this conversation but um we recorded in Indiana after we walked out of the theater we ended up seeing this movie with like 11 other listeners of horror movie podcasts. We saw Blair Witch with them and um, it was awesome. I was the first one in the theater, of course, because we had lunch and I'm paranoid about getting the seats I like. And I went and sat in the top back middle row center, you know, in my usual spot. And everybody came in and it was interesting to see where everybody likes to sit. And um, nobody sat by me, Josh. So I'm just going to put that out there. And Dino, Dino texted me and said, um, back row sucks or something like that. So, you know, a lot of wise guys, they actually sat most of the horror movie podcast community that was there. Most of them sat down like right in the middle of the theater, which was kind of interesting to me. If I had had popcorn, I would have thrown it at them just for fun. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, we watched this movie and then we immediately walked outside the theater and stood in a big giant circle in a inside of this bus stop and we did a little review. Now, for those who listen to Movie Podcast Weekly, um, I was in a uh, peculiar predicament where, you know, the coverage was also for Movie Podcast Weekly at well, so, as well. So, yes... Um, this same recording that you're about to hear is the exact same review that was on Movie Podcast Weekly. It's shared. So if you don't want to hear it again, um, you can look in the show notes and skip ahead. I think it's about, I don't know, 15 minutes long. We do a little review and then you can jump to where Josh and I are going to be listening to it. Um, the same goes for some material I have at the very end of the episode. That was also in the Movie Podcast Weekly episode. And my apologies, I... I sincerely try never to double dip 
but in this case, it was unavoidable. So um, right now we'll move into our pre-recorded clip of the post Blair Witch screening meetup. All right, so at this point, this is a combination review. We're going to double dip right here, right now. We're going to do a movie podcast weekly horror movie podcast review of Blair Witch. We got a lot of people here for the meetup, and it's just an honor. We just walked out of Blair Witch 2016. Let me just go around and just tell everybody who's here so I can paint the picture. Right over here, we got Ron Martin representing the resurrection of Zombie 7. We have Jeff Hammer. We have Carl Huddleston of Movie Podcast Weekly. We have Juan. We have Jody. We have Greg. We have Dino. We have Dark Mark. We have James. And we have GeekCast Ryan of the GeekCast Live podcast. So let's turn it over to Dark Mark. He's going to give our premise and tell us uh, what this movie was about. Okay, so have you seen Blair Witch 1? (laughs) Right. So uh, Heather, the main character, her brother goes out to find uh, what happened to his sister about 17 years later. They meet up with two kind of fans of the Blair Witch story that live nearby in the Black Hills Forest. And uh, they end up in the Black Hills Forest. Looking for Heather. And uh, horror ensues. ensues. Yeah, <laughs> horror ensues. That's right. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I just want to did anybody like this movie? Loved it. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan actually left and came back at the very end. Actually, oh, really? Yeah, I went back to the bar for a while. I, I, I had a fun while. time watching it. Had some drinks at the bar, and then I came back for the very, the very end. Me, me. And, uh, and then uh, that's, that's when I came in. Okay. Oh, wow, really? I left at the drone. When the drone first takes off, yeah. that's where I left. Yeah, he, he was there for like 10 minutes and then he came back very in. But no, don't be shy. If you liked the movie, that's okay. Like, if you liked it, we would love to hear people who liked it if we have anybody like that. I enjoyed the beginning. Okay. It what, went downhill pretty fast when anything scary started happening. So, Jeff Hammer, what did you like about the beginning? Um, I just thought it was a decent. Uh, it was pretty realistic. I thought the people meeting the, uh, the 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 setup of the characters I thought was okay. Ron hated everyone, but <laughs> I enjoyed the characters all right. I thought it was humorous. I you know there was a little bit of humor in it okay. occasionally, but okay. but this is all non horror stuff. So <laughs> yeah. so the very setup. You like how they they got into the story, right? Right. And obviously, this disregards uh, Book of Shadows, right? I mean, so we, we're calling this a, a sequel, obviously, with ignoring Book of Shadows. That's where we are. So people know. Okay, so um, I'm trying to figure out who hated it the most. Probably Carl, <laughs> who, who is not a horror fan. I hated it pretty severely, too, so we're all competing. But Carl, as a non-horror fan, tell us what you thought about this. I've never been so bored in a movie that's supposed to be scaring me. It's just running through the woods, more running through the woods, noises, right. and no payoff. Zero payoff. Yeah. I give this movie a zero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you might have oh, <laughs> I, I think it might. I didn't hear you screaming at the screen or anything. So. Yeah. Well, I literally pulled my phone out. I never do that. <laughs> yeah. I agree with him. Once things start happening, I was just like, I don't even know what's happening, and it's just nonsense. And you don't care. Yeah, that's true. Okay, what about you? Uh, I hated everything about this movie. I hated the characters. I hated the soundtrack in the found footage movie. I hated the production in the found footage movie. I hated the camera angles. I hated they turned the Blair Witch into Slender Man. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about the camera angles real quick? Because the last two minutes of the movie that I saw, 
honest than it. And literally, I watched the first ten minutes and the last two minutes. The last two minutes, and I even leaned over to you, Jay, and I said, I remember them putting on the ear cameras, right? Yeah. But then they started doing camera angles from a camera that wouldn't be there in a found footage movie. Yep, exactly. The camera angles weren't consistent with the movie that is found footage, unless there was yet the Blair Witch had a camera and <laughs> added to the footage. No one's looking over the shoulder of the girl at the guy at the end to get the side of his face in that angle, because it wasn't going from her fucking ear. Well, I think maybe the, I think she was the only camera one. that yeah. uh, Lane had. Well, but he was, I don't buy it. Well, I'm just I saying it's this it's this key DV camera that plays throughout the whole movie. And well, that, well, to be fair, I did miss yeah, I did miss that because I went back to the bar. I get this movie at fifteen dollars and fifty six cents because that's what they spent on it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't overly hate it, but I mean, I'm also not going to be praising it and loving it. It's middle of the road for me. Okay, so Greg, did you not hate it? Be- did you not hate it because of how um, closely it played along the same lines as the original? Yeah, in some ways, you could argue it's a, a remake of sorts. It's of the more original. of a remake. If I hate to say it, but as for biggest letdown of 2016, it's probably going to be this movie because I. I was excited when I read the title. When I saw the original teaser trailer, I was giddy. I was excited. Yeah. Biggest letdown, probably going to be this movie because of the anticipation and remembering the Blair Witch and enjoying what I enjoyed from that experience. And now it's kind of like, yeah, remake, yes. Okay. You know, and that's why it's going to get about half points out of, out of ten. Okay. A five, maybe even a six, but probably more towards the five. Okay. Now, one I know in our earlier interviews, one called the original Blair Witch Project a masterpiece, a ten out of ten. So, how did you feel about this, given that it's, <laughs> it's so related? I mean, it's like everyone said, it's basically a remake, shot for shot, even I would say, with the introduction of like the new technology, of course, like uh, drones and whatnot. I didn't hate the movie, to be honest. I feel like there's more to it than it, it seems to me. It, it looked like it was. It looked like it was playing with uh, time, uh, and, and what I got it was that the guy and the girl were on different timelines, and so uh, I'm I'm still thinking about it, but uh, I I don't want to give it too low of a score because I think there's more to it than it seems. Okay, so one saying reserve judgment for a little bit so we can think about it. But uh, what about you, Jody? How do you feel? I was just disappointed that all they cared about was Heather, and nobody cared about Josh, just like the last movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Dino, what do you say? I don't know. I think Ron pretty much said it for me. I pretty much hated everything about it, so... Um, I mean, the the point that Juan brought up, and he brought it up right when the movie ended, you know, I don't want to get too much into details with what he was saying, but just how the movie played with time a little bit. And that could be interesting, but that, for me, there wasn't enough in the actual movie to really pay it off. So, I don't know, disappointing. Okay. Dark Mark, what's your opinion? Yeah, it's very close to the first one. It took a long time, honestly, the beginning of it. I wasn't a big fan of it. felt a little boring. And some more stuff happened towards the end, but uh, not a great payoff either. Yeah. Not my favorite. I don't know. Half, probably about a five, honestly. Okay. 
And uh, James, what do you say? This was the proverbial Elvis impersonator. It was just trying to be the king, and it just was not. Um, <laughs> it was very slow to start, and then nothing really happened as it went on. The momentum was pretty much pretty flat, and every single time they tried to give you a scare, you could see it coming a mile away, essentially because it was just completely mocking its predecessor. So I would say due to there being nothing that interesting in it, um, I'd probably be right about middle of the road to 5 or 4.5 and say avoid okay. Blair Witch. All right. So guys, what about... This is not... Just for the listeners out there, this is not what the movie was. But what if, partway through, I'm like, oh my goodness, what if this turns into a great Bigfoot movie where the creature in the woods that's been doing all this stuff is a Sasquatch, and it's killing, it's like a beastly freak. It did seem Ryan, like it was a giant. Ryan was to give an Andy review. <laughs> I mean, you went around the entire circle, you got to me, and typewriter to the beginning oh, my fault. and just pivoted. Uh, uh, somebody's got to be the Andy of the group yeah. and that's you. Like, no, I'm going to tell the truth, unlike okay. Andy. Okay. I didn't see this movie. I saw the first ten minutes, last two. From what I hear, the ladies did not uh, take their clothes off, which is a disappointment. They were very beautiful. Um, but I did uh, go back to the bar where um, we talked to a lady who uh, talked about sex toys for a while, which was cool. And uh, I, uh, I left that to come back for the end. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, I was scared. I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Sprite. Well, I didn't know what's happening. <laughs> so, would you have liked the Sasquatch version? I think if there would have been some kind of Getty or Sasquatch, I think yes, it may have upped, upped the ante. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Sasquatch. Well, instead what, of a Blair Witch, then they come across the you know flip the script and it's a. Bigfoot movie, a beastly yeah. freak. That's right. What if it's not <laughs> a witch after all? Instead of the Blair Witch. This is the guy in the cool swamp man t-shirt. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Creature like, uh, from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> but, but the thing. The Comedy thing, movie guy. <laughs> Harry Potter guy. Yeah, that's right. So, but the thing is, so I, this is what amazed me, though. The criticism of the original Blair Witch, that's a lot of what we got from this. Just total shaky cam anything something dramatic happened or something terrible happened anytime that happened it went to shaky cam I thought it was really unintelligible and I think that's what frustrated me the most Ron is because I couldn't even tell what they were trying to suggest was happening for me I don't know do you no know? I'm okay with the shaky cam I like the original I still like the original this was way overproduced and very badly acted in my opinion I got tired of that stupid glitch gimme thing. You know, I, it's off, now it's back on. With, yeah. And then the occasional, you know, it just wasn't doing anything. You know, it, it's almost like they were trying to use that to add an additional scare. Mm-hmm. And it, it just was annoying. You wouldn't wish this one was just not found footage and just straight yeah. up? Yes. Because yeah. I do. Yeah. I thought it was when I saw the first teaser. I thought yeah, it was straight up no found footage. I honestly thought it was when I saw the first five minutes of it, to be fair. What I saw, yeah. I, I thought maybe they were going away from the found footage because they, they didn't do a lot of that in the first five minutes of the movie. Right. So I thought they were going to. Yeah. yeah. Come to find out in the last two minutes, they went right back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, let's go around the circle then. Uh, most of you have kind of given your impressions and your ratings. Guys, for me, this was, I'm being serious, this was the worst movie of the year for me so far. This is a 1 out of 10. It's a total avoid, and I hated this movie. Ron Martin, what do you say? Now you're making me feel like that I really enjoyed the movie because I was going to give it a 2 out of 10. 
my worst my worst fear is they make another one and that means there's four and I gotta cover it on my show <laughs> so you give it a two out of ten to avoid I did the only thing I liked about this movie was the premise of the brother going to look for his sister from 17 years ago I think it's uh, amazing they were born 17 years apart so they could both be 21 when they go when they go missing but mm-hmm. alright Jeff Hammer what do you rate it uh, I enjoyed it a little bit more I'm gonna say 4 out of 10 but it's definitely avoidable okay alright and you said it's zero <laughs> this is a zero these people should never be in, allowed near a camera again <laughs> Carl says avoid what do you say Juan uh, I'm I'm going to give it a six for now, but I have a feeling it might go up depending on where my thoughts go from here. One says six, so you tell people to see it in the theater? Uh, you don't have to, okay. but uh, that, uh, don't skip it. It's more of a red box? Sure. Okay, rental, all right. What do you say, Greg? I'm right at that five out of ten, and I'd just wait until it comes out to some kind of a streaming service or red box, or, or even if you're bold, wait for a free weekend for Showtime, HBO, something like that. Jody, what do you rate it? I'd give it a 5.5 and say it's a low-priority rental. Okay. All right, but no theater stuff. Nice. Okay. All right, Dino. Uh, there are two things, two elements of it that I thought were, or could have been interesting. The first is they brought in a drone, which I thought could have been used. If, yeah, if they, if they used that differently or, or used that a little more or better, then I think that could have been interesting. But it sort of fell flat, and... Um, the other thing, I try to be as vague as possible, but sort of midway through, there's sort of like a voodoo doll moment, which I thought was kind of interesting. But other than that, there's really, there wasn't much there for me. It's definitely below average to me. I'd probably give it like a 2.5 or a 3 out of 10. I don't think you need to see it. Boy. Ryan, you got something? It's awesome. First of all, it's awesome that you guys are all here. This is really cool. To see Dino struggle with brevity... After listening, to, after reading some of his posts on uh, that he leaves after episodes, that was awesome. That was better than the movie. I know. Throw that out there. I like the I like it. It left it speechless. <laughs> you struggling with brevity was just—I mean, I can see in your eyes, man. It was awesome. Okay, Dark Mark, what do you, what do you um, rate it? Well, I have a high tolerance for bad movies. I guess maybe I'll probably rate it around a five. The thing that bothered me the most probably in this movie was the sound, the sound design. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of weird jump scares out of the sound, and sometimes just a camera turning on or off was like a big sound. And, yeah, uh, yeah. so I don't really rate things that low, so that's pretty low for me, five. Okay. Is that like a low-priority rental then, you said, or just? If you saw the first one, yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, James, what do you say? I've talked myself down from 4.5 or 5 down to a 4. There's no reason to ever watch this thing. It's a total avoid. <laughs> total avoid. And what's your real rating? Did you give it? Is I'm giving it a 9. <laughs> what's wrong with you? What I saw. You should mention he's stronger than the rest of us. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, what, I saw, what, what I saw was tremendous. Are you counting what you saw at the bar? Yes. She was a very good looking lady. (laughs) (laughs) You like those elements. That's a nine. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank everybody for listening, and uh, we appreciate it. Let us know in the comments what you thought of Blair Witch if you subject yourself to this. I do have to say that I've never had a better time after a show than what we just did. All right. We're back now, Josh. So I know that you didn't have a chance to hear all of that jazz that we just talked about. So... If Josh says anything that you guys said, he's not copying off of you. This is his first time <laughs> tackling this film. So, Josh, 
I want to turn over to you because you you um you had one of the coolest initial experiences of watching the Blair Witch Project. You watched it out in the woods. <laughs> That's right. Which was freaking awesome. I love that story. Um, that's in a previous episode of people haven't heard that cool story, but just out of curiosity though, Josh, I asked a lot of the listeners this, did you get to revisit the Blair Witch Project before watching this? Um, I just watched it this year, so I did not, uh, revisit it. I probably should have, that would have been a good idea, but no, I didn't. Okay. All right. So, um. Well, just tell me what you thought of the new Blair Witch thing. So, I mean, I was excited. As you mentioned, I had that great initial experience. And my wife, Rachel, she had another and a kind of iconic first experience with the Blair Witch Project in that she was one of those people who went to it and thought it was real when she went and saw it the first time. Oh, man. So that that I envy as well. Um, so I was really, I was trying to get her to come to this with me. You've got to come to see the Blair Witch Project with me. We both had these fun, crazy first experiences. Don't <laughs> you're like, you, Rachel, it's real. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, aren't you dying to like, see this thing? She's like, no. And do you know why? Said, no. She's like, cause I went and saw Blair Witch two book of shadows with you. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> oh, good point. Said, that was awful. So I'm not going to another Blair Witch movie. I said, okay. But, um, no, I was really excited to see this. I think I saw this with. I did see this with William Rowan Jr., a.k.a. William the Destroyer, solo from the Sci-Fi Podcast. Uh, we went and saw this film late at night one night, and again, I was very impressed with their attempt to kind of ground this in real documentary filmmaking. This was probably the least believable of the three films I'm talking about, or definitely the least believable of the three films we're talking about. And There were a few moments that were a little wackadoo. They have these really high tech cameras for college students that go in your ear as kind of a Bluetooth device and apparently work. Even if your hair is covering it. Um, if you're an attractive young lady with long hair, you can just completely cover the camera and then it still has a nice clear image, but, and they've got a drone, which uh, is nice and could provide some really cool moments. And, and yet it's totally squandered, <laughs> totally squandered. <laughs> wasted and is used in kind of an actually even an annoying way in the film, the drone, mm -hmm. um, these earpiece cameras. I liked the use of them in so much as I think, uh, they were mostly used really effectively in that the action felt very uninterrupted despite, um, being found footage and it allowed the point of view to come from any direction from any character. So I liked that, but I didn't like the practicality of how that might actually work in real life. Uh, the characters were a little bit hit or miss for me. I really, really liked the locals that they ran into mm. when they went down to um, the black woods, they run into two people who had posted a video of what appears to be Heather from the first film. And we're introduced to this film to James, who is Heather's little brother. And he sees this video on YouTube and he says that that's Heather. That's she's still alive. I have to go find her. So he convinces his friends to come with him into the woods to look for his sister. And one of them is a documentary filmmaker or two of them, I, I guess actually are documentary film students. And they're going to film this for their school project. And 
when they get down there, they go to meet the people who posted the original YouTube video, uh, Lane and Talia. And man, those two actors, I love, but especially Lane played by Wes Robinson. Mm -hmm. To me, he makes the movie like he's the best part of the film, in my opinion. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I I really liked Valerie Curry as well. And I liked Callie Hernandez, who played Lisa, the primary documentary filmmaker. I thought those three actors were really strong. I was less a fan of the other three. And I thought it was a shame with James particularly because he's the person we're supposed to care about the most supposedly and be whose journey we're supposed to be invested in the most, but really we're not. We're kind of seeing this from Lisa's point of view. Yeah. And I think that was a weird mistake. Why not just make Lisa, you know, Heather's well, sister or something. I don't, that seemed like a weird. Yeah. Were they trying? Because obviously, I mean, this movie owes a lot and I don't know if you could say it homages or imitates or remakes, but it's very similar to the original, the Blair Witch project. And I wondered if they did that with, um, you know, the Lisa character in order to kind of parallel Heather, you know, but I agree with you. It should have been Heather's brother's story. Right. But yeah, but no. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I sense what you were just saying, and I don't. I will say I don't think that this is just a a redo of the Blair Witch Project. I think it, it clearly does pay a huge amount of respect to the first film, which I think is something I want to see in a sequel like this. I think it references in a very re, um, respectful and kind of reverential way the first film, which I which I appreciate. I, I think it clears up some things like whereas the first film withheld answers and left you in a state of constant confusion. I think this film attempts to kind of uh, give answers and some of them are very satisfying. Others are not. And, and in some ways I was really happy with the revelations that we got in other ways I'd have preferred to kind of keep it a secret that's hit or miss. And that's hard. You know, I mean, there's, there's no way to do that perfectly. I think, you know, you can't please everybody all the time. Right. For the most part, I thought that they handled this as a sequel. It did all of the things I want to see in a sequel. It, it, it paid tribute. It was conscious of the first film. It tried to take the story further. It, you know, it, it upped the ante it did a lot of the things that I, I want to see from a sequel. I will say, I think the film's biggest thing it has going against it is that so many people ripped off the Blair Witch Project. I think at this stage, it just feels so done. Like It just feels like it's so hard to do something new and something that we care about because I just feel like it's we've just seen it all before now. So many people copied that first movie when this is returning to the exact kind of same circumstances, it just feels so redundant in a lot of ways. It also, I Josh, I had two great ideas that they could have done with this, which, which we'll um, maybe some of it we'll talk about in spoilers because we are going to end up later, not right now, but we'll go into spoilers on this because we got to talk some theories. But first of all, I just want to say how shocked I am. I, I continue to be shocked that, there are people like you, uh, people like Juan, for example. Um, the listeners just heard that Juan rated this a, a six, I believe. 
And he, you know, he thought that there was something there to it and he wanted to revisit it, you know, and there, there are people who are kind of reserving judgment about it. And then there were people like me and Ron Martin and Dino and Carl <laughs> who despised it. I mean, I really hated this and, and the listeners have already heard this right now. So I'll just tell you, I, I gave it a one out of 10 and, and called it an avoid. I had so much can. I had so much contempt for this. A one? A one. It was it's the worst movie I've seen in 2016. And um it's it's comparable to Unfriended, and you know how I feel about that movie. But but Josh, I I, I am opening my mind because I'm gonna read some comments from Adam in Chicago. He he sent me a bunch of texts about his thoughts on it today. I'm opening my mind and I'm I'm here to hear you out. And hear all these other people out who actually didn't mind it as much. But I, I seriously, it's one of those shocking experiences where I thought I would walk out and just everybody would be like, that's the worst movie ever. And like everybody would hate it, like the whole world. That's what I thought. But the, apparently that's not the case. And I just want to know why. <laughs> well, I mean, I there's a lot to hate about it. There is. But there's I think there's almost as much to appreciate about it. So I think it's just, I think it's what you're willing, like what you're willing to give it, like how much slack you're willing to give it basically for being what it is. You know, like I think again, like it is, it is a sequel to a film that's been copied a trillion times. And so okay. it, it just by its nature, it's retreading the ground of the Blair Witch Project and everyone else has also retread the ground of the Blair Witch Project. Right. And so it's it's difficult. It's in a hard, difficult situation. Um, I think it's also, you know, as we tend to desire from horror films, it is miserable. Like watching this movie is a miserable experience. It is um, oppressive. It is disorienting. It is uh, kind of heavy in a way that's not fun, but it's also trying to do that. And so it's it's um, it's difficult to then, you know, rate and recommend something like that. Like it's I think it's accomplishing exactly what it's going for and probably what it should be doing. Like, I don't know what the better solution is in a lot of these situations. I think the problems I have with it are not. Those things. The problems I have with it are the convenient, easy fixes, the dumb uh, moments like there's something in my foot that don't seem to go anywhere, uh, the just some really bad acting, some really convenient moments with it's particularly, and I hate to say this because people of color are not given much to do in horror movies in general. Except get killed first, right? Except to get <laughs> killed first. And the, the two African-American folks in this film are, are pretty bad to me. Like, I think they're characters. Maybe it's just the characters. Maybe it's not the actors. Although I do think Ashley uh, Corbin Reed is pretty bad. Yeah, Corbin uh, Reed and Brandon Scott are their names, yeah. Yeah, but, oh, man, I hated those characters. And I don't think anything that happened with their characters was interesting. I think a lot of the ways that these characters go out is really um, just a waste. But then there are some amazing moments as well. Like I think everything with Lane and Talia is awesome. And I think there's a moment that's kind of like a uh, – there's a moment with Talia that's kind of a voodoo doll 
type of moment. Mm -hmm. I thought that was incredible. Give me more of that. Like I thought that was so well executed, totally creepy. Interestingly fits into the film's mythology. Give me more. I wanted more stuff like that. I think what they did with, there is a, you know, an element from the original film about standing in corners on one hand, you can leave it totally unexplained and it's more exciting and interesting for it to be a mystery. On the other hand, if you have to explain it, I thought they did a great job explaining. It. I like where they go with it. I think they, and they, I think they used it effectively after that. Well, and they actually do. Um, I, I think a lot of people forget this because they didn't revisit the movie. I'm not saying you, Josh, but I'm just saying um, they actually do explain that <laughs> in, in the original. Why the, yeah, they talk about what happened with the children in the backstory, mm. but what they don't tell you is what's happening with Mike in the in the current storyline in right, the right. first film. And so what we learn is what Mike was doing. Right. Right. And, and I think what I assumed Mike was doing was way scarier when I saw the original film. Like I, I didn't see it as what they're doing in this movie. I saw it as something different. And to me, what my mind made up was scarier than this. But again, like if you have to do, if you have to come up with something, which they did, I thought what they came up with was great. I also thought that, you know, Dave and I reviewed the found footage film Final Prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they definitely copied some stuff from Final Prayer here uh, toward the end in a tunnel sequence, but I think that's great. And I think um, that's a great scary moment of this film that was completely overwhelming. I know Solo, who I was sitting next to, had almost a panic attack during that scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I think it was a very effective, even though, again, I think they kind of ripped that off. So I don't know. I think Adam Weingard or Wingard, um, I like him. I'm a big fan of him and the screenwriter, Simon Barrett, who have worked together on Your Next and The Guest. I think this is not as good as either of those entries, but... I think being presented with the very difficult task of making a sequel to the Blair Witch Project, which we've seen completely muddled in the past. Right. I am impressed with what they were able to come up with. I I think it, uh, I think it shows respect for the first film in a way that I'm very happy to see, which I don't think book of shadows did. I think this That's does. True. I think this, gets right a lot of the things the book of shadows got wrong unfortunately it also gets a few things of its own wrong okay so well a couple of things i just want to put this out there so people understand number one i am not anti-found footage in fact i love found footage movies i i really appreciate it i i like it as a convention i think it's fun i'm behind it all the way so it's not like i'm you know Always the guy who's griping about shaky cam, like our friend Bill Shetty, for example. <laughs> just the name names. But no, um, so I just, I, <laughs> I'm just messing with him. I just want to put that out there, though, just so people know, because I like found footage. The other thing is um, I went into this film very excited, but with an open mind, meaning there was a lot of hype from reviews where people are like, this is the scariest film, <laughs> like one of the scariest films ever made, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, that's marketing. And yeah, I mean, you always have that. So I even tempered my expectations that it probably wasn't going to be one of the scariest films ever made, right? So 
um, I was prepared that way too, but I was in, um, I, I saw this under the most perfect possible circumstances. I saw it with a bunch of listeners of horror movie podcast, which was freaking awesome. I mean, that was amazing. We just had a great lunch and wearing your t-shirts. <laughs> yes. Wearing our t-shirts, you know it. And, um, and then I had Carl two seats away because for some reason he wanted to have a buffer seat. <laughs> <laughs> but that's funny but um and, and that's funny to me because carl doesn't like horror movies so it was kind of hilarious to have him there in the theater and listen to him griping the whole time but honestly my mind was open and ready to experience this movie and the, the first thing i love i kind of love the premise i thought wow that's a really interesting way back into this story um, this brother is kind of looking for Heather. Now, I don't think it's perfect, but I'm like, yeah, that's good enough. I mean, it was good enough to get me in the story. And I liked how they went back. But uh, so many aspects, like them just wandering around in the woods, getting lost in the woods, having the, you know, the, the stick figures um, show up, um, the, the disorienting. Um, nature of it the like in the original Blair Witch I actually revisited the Blair Witch project on the plane to Indiana and I was struck once again by how many times like when something goes down and they get scared the camera just gets kicked around and jerked around you can't see what's going on now again I don't mind found footage but here's my problem Josh the reason I got really frustrated in this film is because I felt like they weren't giving me anything to, um, I guess, orient myself with the action that was happening. And yes, it's supposed to be disorienting. The characters in the film are disoriented. But something that they have that I don't have is they are physically present in the experience and I'm not. So I need something to kind of anchor myself as a viewer to the experience that they're having on the screen. And it felt like every time there was a major like incident or like, you know, a loud noise or like a, like tons of jump scares. A lot of them were fake and cheap and dumb and stuff. But like when something was going down, it's like the camera's getting kicked around and I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, guys, that is the biggest cop out ever. But anyway, what's do you have any? Co- what's the cop out that... Um... Okay, the big the cop out is um here here I'll I'll do it this way. That's supposed to be scary because people are screaming, the music is loud, and um the camera's getting sh- sh- you know, it's being sh- shaken around yeah. and um and I'm supposedly disoriented and I'm supposed to be having this reaction what happened what happened. Whereas in something like Lights Out for example, the lights are out you see a silhouette across the room. You turn the lights on, nothing's there. You turn the lights out again, the silhouette is closer. <laughs> I understand exactly <laughs> what's scary about that, right? Yeah. And, and whereas in, in this movie, I mean, there were so many instances where something supposedly scary was happening, but I had I had nothing to anchor to to even understand what was happening. And that was Well, you're not a huge fan of the original either. I mean, I think the that is constant in the first film as well. But I think there's something to that. If there's, have you ever been in a situation where 
but kind of scared. It's late at night. This doesn't happen to me since I was a little kid, but I remember it so clearly. Okay. And then if you start running, you just have to keep running. You know what I'm talking about? That yeah. feeling of like, you're so scared, but I don't want to run. Right. If I do start running, I won't be able to stop. Right. And that I think that's a real thing. Like if, if, if imagine myself in those characters shoes. If like I'm Talia and Lane has gone out to use the restroom and then I'm hearing trees crashing down around me and I'm running out into the darkness to find my boyfriend. Like I'm going to be really scared and I'm going to be running maniacally and I'm going to, my camera is going to be flopping all over the place. And I, I don't mind that. Like, I think that feels, that feels more real to me than a lot of the stuff. did. Now it's, it can be overdone for sure. And it probably is overdone in this film. There's another effect that's overdone in this film, which is the camera glitches. Oh yeah. I like it actually. I, I normally dislike like at the end of what was that other movie um, that we reviewed where I was so hard on the documentary filmmaking. <laughs> it was about the lady who had a, they thought she had a brain issue. And oh, they, oh um, the, the taking of Deborah Logan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I hate how toward the end of that movie, it's all just camera glitching and we don't get to see anything that's happening for a good portion. It's just like camera glitch, camera glitch. It's black, more camera glitch. It's black. Right. It's like, I hate watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. But this movie I thought used the camera glitches in an effective way. And yes, they use them totally cheaply for jump scares, which is just not cool. But I kind of liked it. If I'm honest, like I feel like the sound design was really good <laughs> and it worked like it totally worked on me. Those, <laughs> those camera glitches freaked me out. And yeah. I, if, and again, like as a documentary filmmaker, you know, like some of that's real, like those, you could, the camera does, make those kinds of sounds in camera. If the microphones are off camera, the in camera noises are kind of loud and, and you know, the, it was weird. Like they did some interesting things with the microphone. Like, do you remember when they were first in the apartment and they're like testing out the mics and stuff, she's interviewing them and the two guys are sitting on the couch and the audio sounds so bad. Yeah. And you hear like rustling on their clothes. But then I realized, Oh, okay. Like this is, this really is like the documentary filmmaker mic setup and that's what we're rolling with and i, I thought that was interesting mm-hmm. yeah and and that's fine and and the things that you were just describing like the example where she's running out into the woods for the boyfriend and stuff I, I think that's fine once in a while but i i just felt i tell you what happened to me and of course i i watch very attentively because i'm planning on reviewing this and getting ready to discuss it with a bunch of listeners afterwards so of course i'm paying attention but but I just, I felt myself check out of this film. And it wasn't like I went to sleep or stopped paying attention. But I didn't realize this until today because I was thinking about this experience a lot. But what happened to me is I just totally closed myself off to this film and just, I just despised it. And I feel really bad about that. And, and, and I think part of me, because of Juan and because of you and like Adam and other people, I think it would be interesting to revisit it one day if I can make myself sit through it. But honestly, like I, I just, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> In some ways, I, you know, I'm, I'm really into film experiments. So I'm the idiot that is going to defend the Gus Van Sant remake of Psycho and, and things like that, <laughs> because I find it interesting to just riff on, you know, a classic film just for the sake of riffing on it. And right. I think 
with this film, it almost feels like a really interesting fan film because they dip into the mythology in such interesting ways. For me, just like I just enjoy the experience of exploring where they're going, even though you know the the uh, sum may not be equal to all the parts. You know, mm-hmm. maybe what it comes out. Uh, uh, you know, the final product is not necessarily maybe a great film, but. I'm really interested in all of these little elements that they've put into this and the effort that they've put into really thinking about the first film in a kind of a deep way. But I don't know. I like that. What I think is problematic though, is it feels like they go into this movie and they try to explain away of some of the mysteries of, you know, the original one where it's kind of like a thing we do in sequels, right? Like when you're revisiting something, then you go into more of the backstory and and cover things and explain things that maybe you didn't even address in the first movie. And they do that. And, um, you know, sometimes that's okay with me. Sometimes it's, it's bothersome, but then on the other side of it, I, the listeners of movie podcast weekly have heard me complain ad nauseum about how, um, the Star Wars franchise keeps revisiting the Death Star or Death Star related plots, right? Like, sure. and I won't go into it because they, they don't want to hear it. Trust me. But, um, but in this, I was just really surprised and disappointed that, you know, it's still basically the same story beats and the same thing. Like I would have, I would have taken this and in a moment we'll get into spoilers and I want to tell you about two ideas I had and then a theory that Adam from Chicago had, but I would have taken this in a different direction. I just wished that we would have gotten more about the Blair Witch. Instead, I just feel like, um, I mean, in some ways it feels like a remake of the original or like you said, like an interesting fan film of the original for me. And I, I don't know, wouldn't you have liked it more new like, stuff? I would have liked, yeah, I would have liked more dipping into the actual Blair Witch. They did that though a couple of times. Like the, the local guy, the local kids tell them a lot of new, interesting information about the Blair Witch that we haven't heard before, which I really liked all that stuff. Well, some of it was just repeating what was at the beginning of the first, the original film. And then some of it was like what I was describing where they're kind of explaining away elements that were you know, previously just left mysterious. Yeah. But I liked a lot of that stuff. And I liked the, the stuff with just the Creek or the river, you know, that played a role in the first movie. So it's fun to return to that and have some mythology around it, you know? And I, I like the hanging in the tree how that kind of was updated. And I, I, I really am interested in this idea, you know, the people have been floating around that maybe this is more similar to troll hunter than <laughs> anything else that I love. I think that was a fascinating idea and just so strange and a, a cool place to take it. I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I would have rather gotten to mythology than just seeing a glimpse of somebody behind a tree like that is less interesting to me, but like going into um, one of our locations in the film, like it's interesting. I love how it's like this puzzle. I like how it takes things that were straightforward in the first film and adds a layer of complexity to them in a couple couple times um, mm-hmm. with regard to time and place and 
Right. Um, both in the woods and later. I, I love that aspect of it. I think that's really clever and just fun and a fun place to take the movie. I, I think um, yeah, my big failures for me were just things like, oh, look, the drone. I'm going to spend time trying to get it right now <laughs> Why? at night it's a, when it's a dark major waste of you know a good 10 minutes of the movie why is this scene even here there's another <laughs> really weird supposed scare scene that happened um with uh james and um lisa where they're kind of having this little mini freak out attack i just did not get what was happening in that just seemed so cheap and kind of like you were saying a moment where well, the characters are screaming, and so I must be. It must be scary. I mean, I I, I do. I don't want to dismiss what you're saying there because I think that is important to talk about in horror movies in general. This this is the problem that uh, screen editors have and filmmakers have with dramas where well, the characters are crying, so this must be a sad scene. Well, you haven't given the audience any reason to feel sad. You just right. are having this melodrama that's making the characters cry but you're not having an emotional impact on the viewers and i think horror can definitely have that problem when it comes to scares where well yeah you're showing us that the characters are scared but we're not feeling that i i didn't have a major problem with that in this movie but i do see where you're coming from with it well i appreciate that thank you and i need to i think i do need to revisit it but um uh, let's go into spoilers here in a moment but for those who are not going to listen to the spoilers section Let's uh, tell them our ratings so far. Now, I already said, for me, it's a 1 out of 10 and a void. But what do you rate, Blair Witch? Tell you what, I came here prepared to give it an 8. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I talked myself down to a 7 during the course of this conversation. Even though I feel like I've been mostly positive, a lot of that's been kind of like devil's advocating, responding to the negative stuff when really I'm like, oh yeah, I really, really hated like the way they handled, uh, you know, uh, really again, maybe it's nitpicky because it is a lot of like film equipment kind of stuff, but it just is so unrealistic. And when you're hanging your hat on that for the movie, if you're, if you're saying, you know, we, you know, we've also argued about, is this a subgenre or is this just a storytelling device? But when you're using this, storytelling device in, in a subgenre, and you're saying look this is how we're capturing these images well you better convince me that this is how you're capturing the images because i don't want right. to have to be thinking about that the whole movie i yes. don't want to this to keep coming up i want to buy into it early and then be able to roll with it i'm mm. with you yeah so yeah. yeah that knocked me down to a seven and uh i think it's kind of worth seeing in the theater i mean i i would have said absolutely but i i think i feel when this many people hate a movie that i don't want to recommend someone waste their money on it so i mean i I feel safer just calling it a rental and saying check it out on video although i had an interesting time in the theater i was miserable yeah i felt i felt sick i can relate i didn't have fun (laughs) i can relate to that yeah but it was interesting like i was i was fascinated (laughs) By the you know, I was fascinated by what was presented to me, and I I enjoyed thinking about it more than I maybe enjoyed experiencing. Okay, so you're saying seven, and so are you telling people to see in the theater or I'm call it a rental? Just because, a rental, okay. because I wouldn't want someone to waste their money if people are hating it this bad. Really, 
Okay. You know? All right. That's... I think I may be outside the the you know, popular opinion. Well, my sense that I get of this is like it, it seemed like thirty to forty percent of people liked it or thought it was okay, and then you know the balance, the other people hated it. Is what I the sense I got. But anyways, yeah. that that was kind of what what bore out in Indiana as we talked about it. Well, at this point, we're going to move into full-blown plot spoilers for the new Blair Witch movie. So if you have not seen it yet, you can tune out now. But now we begin the spoiler section. Wolfman Josh. Okay, so I had two ideas. And I, and I already said this a little bit in the recording. But but what if, what if the Blair Witch wasn't a witch at all? You know, because um, when they show us that, slender man looking creature i'm like uh, for for a moment like the descent (laughs) yeah it was kind of like that but but like it was a long slender elongated it reminded me of the wrecked at the end of wrecked that very scary yeah being reminds me of um kind of a one of the vampire transitions in francis ford coppola's dracula yeah yeah that too yeah there's a and, and somebody really smart at the meetup said something about, um, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which person said this. They said, you know, in this movie, they talked about hanging her up in a tree and then putting weights on her and just stretching out her body. So I wondered if that's what they were trying to depict, or at least one of the listeners wondered that, and I thought that was yeah. a good theory. But mm-hmm. um, what's interesting is what I said is when I was watching this movie, I'm like, oh, what if the Blair Witch isn't a witch at all, but it's like Bigfoot? It's a Sasquatch out there. It, I, I mean, and it, it, it's like, the monster from Exists. Yeah, or yeah, that's right. Or like you know, they kind of had a little bit of a bait and switch. And I won't go into this very deeply, but for those who have seen the Lost Coast tapes, there's a little bit of a bait and switch in there. You know, what if it's something like that? You know, and and that, that people would. Hate this movie worse than they already did. <laughs> that would have been way more interesting to me. Or the other thing that I thought would would have been intriguing, and I would have been just fine with this, if the the two towny locals that they meet up with that want to go with them and stuff. What if they were just a couple of psychos and they wanted to get these kids out to that house and kill them in the house? And what if the townies were doing it? And then it was interesting when it ended up them, you know, initially when they tied up the stick figures and stuff. Uh Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is great. I think it's going that direction. And then they had that terrible line, Josh, where he said something to the effect of it's real. It really is real. And so we faked it because we wanted you to be convinced that it's real. And I'm like, that is the worst (laughs) line ever. (laughs) Like terrible logic. But anyway, that kind of um, upset me. The other thing, Adam from Chicago, he thought that it had an alien type angle to it. So let me read. So these are from texts that Adam from Chicago sent me. He I said, that you're on text with all these guys now after the meetup. That's hilarious. I know, right? That's cool. So he said, I just got out of Blair Witch with the squad. <laughs> I, I'm not really <clears throat> a fan of the original, but man, this one genuinely t- terrified me. I played along with their typical set setup and some shoddy acting here and there, but man, the last third just blew me away. Also, aliens. Okay, and then um, he continues because I ended up 
you know, telling him what I thought. And he said, it wasn't the, the slender witch thing that made me think alien. I mean, it, it did in retrospect. It was the very obvious UFO scrolling lights shining through the house. And then he oh, says, Oh, interesting. Yeah. He says, when, sense. when I think about everything the witch does, um, it does also feel like, yeah, I can see this being alien. The history of the people just disappearing, being abducted, the look of the witch. And I mean, the stick figures are nothing more than crop circles. Um, so, and, and here in a moment, what we'll do is we'll play Adam and his, his wife, Laura, left um, a voicemail where they were reviewing this and giving more of their thoughts. So I'll put it here at the end of the review. But I just want to get your um, thoughts on this, Josh. What do you think about this being an alien? Like, instead of a witch, it's like an alien. Okay, so my first I want to say, I don't like the Bigfoot idea. <laughs> okay. And, and my preferred thing would be it was it was a witch. Like, but just the gnarliest, craziest witch we've ever seen. Like, give me the hairy monster that it's talking about in that first film. Right. But just like, you know, like we've never actually seen a witch. So maybe this is what they actually look like. That's scary to me. I, that's my preferred situation. Now, the alien thing works. I don't like it because I don't like I, First of all, I just don't like the idea of a bait and switch. That's what I hate about Lost Coast tapes, among other things. And, <laughs> and I don't like the idea of something gothic turning into sci-fi because I prefer gothic. But if you have to do it, I think the way that it was done here is fascinating. I think that the monster that we see, I could see some weird alien. I think the, the lights that he talked about totally makes sense to me. I think that it makes a lot of sense with what we think about science fiction in terms of um, playing with space and time and abduction. Right. And I like all of that stuff. So uh, that's really, really cool. Yeah, the ability to you know, change the time somehow where the video they were watching at the beginning of the film is actually them and how there's this circular loop where they actually lure themselves into the woods. That's very interesting. And, um, Adam, just a couple more sentences here. Adam says, I just personally think it's a cool suggestion of spirituality and science where, the line can be drawn and blurred. We perceive it all as a witch film, and that may very much be the case still that it is in fact a witch and dark forces, but if you change the titles of the film to something like The Dark Sky, I think that the idea that alien activity and a sort of more of an ancient earthly power being combined is really cool. Yeah, I agree. And he said, as an example, the voodoo doll type of thing right there but anyway adam had some really good insights i thought that was interesting as well so i don't know it would have been i'm happy they showed us a creature that or the monster um i i assumed it was the witch and i liked it that she was kind of freaky i just wish they would have shown more of her i mean that would have been and what about the medusa type aspect of it where it's like it's like Clash of the Titans, the original, where you can't look at Medusa directly. Mm-hmm. And so they use the camera to kind of look at her. Again, like I thought the idea, brilliant. I, again, I, I didn't need that explained about why Mike was standing in the corner. It was scarier to me that he was just scared and it was weird and he was being forced there. Mm-hmm. But 
if you are going to do what they did, I, it, I thought this was a great explanation of it. I like the Medusa aspect. I thought this is going to be really cool. And I think uh, William said this to me actually like, oh, great. When he pulled the video camera out, he thought, okay, cool. Now we're going to get some cool scenes of her making her way through this house with this camera. No, oh, it's over. <laughs> Never mind. Yep. That it's it's a missed opportunity, I think, for some interesting use of that idea. Yeah, it's just like the drone where it was just underdeveloped and yeah. totally blown. But anyways, do you have anything else to say about Blair Witch, Josh? Um, I no, I, I know that some of our listeners were reading some articles about um that they posted controversial fan theories and stuff like that from Screen Rant and uh, Vanity Fair. And so I I was hoping I would have a chance to read those before we recorded, but I did not. So I am at least will at least post the links to those. A lot of people who read this article after Juan posted it said, okay, I guess I'm going to rewatch the movie now. You, you've convinced me this is worth um, taking a look at. So, yeah. That's good. That's a good thing, in my opinion. And so I will post that so other people can check it out. Also, um, I wanted to read. Did, did Geekcast Rye review the film? Because his review yeah. on Twitter was the funniest thing I've ever read. Yeah, he, he did review it with us, but it was very silly. It was, was very Andy-like. I'll say that, and you know what that means. Well, his, this is a very silly review as well, and pardon the... Uh, potty humor here but um on one of the photos posted from the meetup i guess willis wheeler posted about how he disliked blair witch and asked you know what you guys had thought and geek cast replied i'll see so so willis said how did you like blair witch and geek cast replied like eating farts <laughs> what? oh he's funny <laughs> that is hilarious well, right there. well, as the listeners have heard, and when if you listen to it, you will hear that he was there for like the first eight minutes or so, and then he left and went back to the bar, and then he Seriously? came back for the last three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> for real? Why? Well, I guess there was some woman over there telling dirty stories, <laughs> so he went. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and he hates found footage. He can't stand shaky cam and. He's Ryan's not really a horror fan either, so that was pretty hilarious. And it was okay with me that he left because he was talking way too much, and I was gonna have to scold him. And he's much bigger than I am, so, anyways, <laughs> it was quite the event. So here we are in uh, episode 98 of Horror Movie Podcast. I'm here with Adam from Chicago and Juan from Texas. Come over here, Juan. Be a part of our little crew. <laughs> Welcome. So we just had lunch together, and Adam's getting ready to take off. He's got a gig tonight because he is a, a country rocker. Can I call you that? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I like it. So anyway, we had the greatest discussion over lunch, and Adam here was saying, we were talking about top ten lists, basically, and Adam said <laughs> that he had various kinds of lists, and his favorite list to me, and we're going to steal this from you if you Dude, don't mind. I would love for you to. Tell him what it is, a list of. It's my hear me out recommendations. Yeah, he's, he has a hear me out list. Yeah. So he went down through this list of movies and was telling us like, his defense for those, and I think that's a great idea for an episode, so well, thank you. And because you tell people that it's the hear me out list, and the minute you say your first, like I said, 
Freddy vs. Jason, which any one of them you say will automatically get a groan from everybody. <laughs> so you say, all right, so like Freddy vs. Jason, uh, hear me out. Yeah, hear me out. And, and then that's it the starts. Best, that's the best part. Your delivery on that is great. So I think what we should do, if you're up for this, I think you should come on and be a guest. I would love in it. In an upcoming episode, let's do a hear me out list with you. Yeah. And then we should also review case 39 because we haven't actually um, gone into that in depth on our show yet. So if you'd be willing to do that, Adam, I'd love to have you join us. I would love to. It's one that's gone on a, under everyone's radar and they should know about it. All right. I've been Thank seeing you. It. Oof, exactly. And this is Juan over here. He flew in from Texas for the meetup. We're getting ready to go in and see Snowden right now, which is not a horror film, but kind of horrifying in some levels like but i thought it was originally i thought snowed in man this like sounds like an intense thriller about people like the barricade yeah that movie i didn't really think that but i'll let you believe i did snowed in that's hilarious (laughs) it's real life horror that's what it is (laughs) it's very funny so juan you're going to be around for the weekend so we're going to um juan's going to be helping us review some stuff and we're going to ask him what he's been watching and stuff right i guess sure i I can try okay but adam's going to get ready to take off pretty soon so, anyway, you want to tell the Horror Movie Podcast community anything before you run at them? Oh, Horror Movie Podcast community. Uh, you're doing good by listening to Horror Movie Podcasts, first of all. <laughs> so, keep doing that. I like your, your style. You can uh, check out most of my stuff on Instagram. Yes. Follow me at Adam's Art Box. Or go to adamsartbox.com. I have a bunch of artwork on there uh, and some short films that I have made yes. uh, with my film partner. Jay just got treated to a little art piece today, which makes me happy. He seems like... He's a joyful child over it. It's exceptional. It's from Aliens. It's his Queen Bee piece. And uh, Juan and I just looked through some of his catalog, and it is exceptional. So if they go there, they can check it out and uh, potentially purchase. You can purchase all of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Follow the Instagram. You'll see a lot of cool stuff. And we're coming up on October, and every October I do uh, a horror piece a day. And uh, I make the original available for a substantially lower price than it is at shows on my website. And uh, those get pretty fun and pretty stressful. They go in like 13 seconds sometimes. So yeah. I have a lot of fun, and other people I think do, even though they get a little stressed over it. Wow. <laughs> other than that, Chicago listeners or people in the surrounding Chicago area, mm-hmm. uh, October 22nd, through the 23rd, there is, it's called The Massacre. It's presented by Terror in the Isles. And what it is, it's going to be a 24-hour horror film marathon. They're going to have it at the Patio Theater. You can go to their Facebook, Terror in the Isles. The address for that is 6008 Irving Park Road in Chicago. It's really cool. I've done one before. I'll be there uh, as an artist. I'll have my art set up. I will also have a short film that I uh, created uh, with my buddy uh, Chaz Dre. For our, uh, we have a film company called Play Dead films the first big thing we made called uh, play dead with me which is a short film uh, will be featured there an interesting little note play dead with me uh, which was the first thing that we did was part of a, a horror movie challenge uh, and we made top 10 in the world along with wow. a little short film called lights out which then went on to be a feature film. So I'm hoping that it uh, will eventually turn into a feature. We'll see. The same trajectory. Yeah, let's hope for it. So you can go there. You can check it out. Bring a pillow and a blanket. You can kind of come and go as you please. It's full of a bunch of horror fans. And as we all know, that community is a a bunch of really cool, supportive people. And you can just take some naps. Like Juan. Like Jay. (laughs) Like me. Like Adam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Uh, I encourage you guys to come down. 20 seconds of the 20. 
23rd. You can kind of come from noon to noon, come whenever you want, stay as long as you want. It's a really cool cause. And these are these little things in culture that we don't get anymore. Yeah. So seriously. take advantage of it. And let's give a shout out to, to your sweetheart, because if people are recognizing this, this radio voice here, this is Adam, the man who calls in with his voicemail, and he reviews things for us with his sweetheart. So That's right. Oh, I want to give a little shout out to my sweetheart, Laura. <laughs> she reviews horrors. We watch horror together. She's a, a little horror freak herself. And we just started a little... We're adults, all right? So listen when I say it. We just started a horror movie squad, all yes. right? And squad is definitely in the name. We're called the Scary Movie Squad. I love this. It's uh, myself and her, uh, and uh, we're also actors. Uh, so it's a handful of Chicago actors who review horror films of all kind. We just started. We'll probably start a podcast, I'm sure. But love for it. now, you can go on Instagram and follow us at Scary Movie Squad. Mm-hmm. You can hear about things that we like or things that I hate, like the movie Hashtag Horror that's on Netflix. <laughs> You'll see the picture. Avoid it at all costs, everybody. And so this is from Jay to Laura here. I'm sorry. We were actually we were having a phone conversation, yeah. and we got cut off. And so I sincerely apologize publicly to you, Laura, for getting cut off. I wow. want you to know. You're important to me, and and I'm sorry I didn't get to finish that conversation with you. I appreciate you. Thanks for letting Adam come down and hang out with us today. Thank you, honey. It's been a pleasure to be with him. She wanted to be here, too, I think. I hope I get to meet her someday. You will. She's on stage right now. She's doing doing a musical. You guys are such such celebrities. Like, these people are famous, one. Like, I know. No. I'm I'm trying to follow uh, Adam here on Instagram. Oh, you do? Scary Movie Squad. Scary Movie Squad. Look at this very sleek phone. Doing it right it's now. He's doing it, everybody. Scary Movie Squad. He's gonna follow me at Scary Movie Squad. <laughs> We're very new, only 37 followers. You can be one of the originals. Yeah. Don't you guys want to be one of the original followers? Come on, people. Be you one can of also the follow me on Adam's Arbox. I have now hijacked Juan's phone. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, there it is, right there. Adam's <laughs> art box. You guys are cracking me up. Follow, and I will follow you back, Juan. Awesome. We're that technology friends now. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And so, oh, and that's your wife. That's is that actually. Your, is, that your, is that your better half? That's me. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on the one side. So, all right. When you go to my Instagram, you're going to see a really bizarre picture of me with a beard, and then Juan thought my wife. But actually, I was in a I was in a musical <laughs> with uh, with Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. Or okay. as you horror fans know, he was uh, the star and writer of a little movie called um, Strange Land. Oh yeah, uh, and he wrote a musical that came out a couple years ago, and uh, with the world premieres in Chicago called Dee Snyder's Rock and Roll Christmas Tale, which was about a band who couldn't make it, and they decided that their last hurrah was going to be to sell their soul to the devil, and Go through whoa. exactly, and through and through means, that, and it was a family show by the way, it was great, and through means that they don't know, they started to become yeah, they started to become possessed by the spirit of Christmas. And that's where they start getting famous for. So that's why I look like a total glam rock singer. I like portrayed a version of Dee Snyder. And that was your wife right there? That was her. She's quite lovely, and I mean that. Beautiful, yes. uh, Very respectful. Oh, thanks, guys. That's not my wife. That's my guitar player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not as good looking (laughs) as Laura. That's Doug, the bass player. Oh, the whole crew. He has a mustache. Laura does not. Um, So I like that about her. So you you guys got to check this out. (laughs) I do want to say, since we're talking about it so much, my wife and I, who are both horror movie fans, uh, we keep talking about it. We're in a band together Chicago people come see the band it's called Cowboy Jukebox yes it's like country rock and you might think you hate country but you don't 
Because the number one feedback is, I don't even like country, but I like you guys so much. There you, go. you know why? It's because we, we like good stuff like horror movies. And uh, I, I really appreciate Juan and Adam being here with us today. This is the Friday before the meetup. So, Adam, before you head out, I want to thank you for being here, Adam. And, thank and you. what do you got to say? Well, everybody? first of all, thank you for signing my Primeval DVD. <laughs> Everybody. My pleasure. <laughs> Jay's a superstar. Don't let him fool you. He's going to try to be modest about it and act like he doesn't know how to give autographs. But he pulled out a whole folder full of pens and autograph paraphernalia. He was ready. I'm very thankful Color for that. pens. That's for my uh, my coloring book and stuff. So I was a little starstruck coming out here, so I'm really happy. Well, uh, horror movie fans, keep listening to a horror movie podcast where we're dead serious about horror. So... As we start to wrap up, Josh, we got just a couple more little tiny things to discuss. Uh, you had some uh, listener feedback from the Kitty Horror episode that you want to talk about? Well, I just want to refer people to the comment boards. We're going a little long for what we had planned on tonight, and um, there were a ton of comments. So I'm just going to say, check out the comment section for our Horror for Little Monsters episode. Our listeners, you know, I felt like we were so thorough. We talked for so long and just went on and on and on and on and named every single title we could think of. And still, somehow, yep. our listeners came up with dozens upon dozens of kid, kitty horror films that we did not cover. And some that were really meaningful to a lot of them, you know, their childhood experiences. and Epic and fail on our part. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I, I feel like that sometimes the the way people respond to us, like we're idiots for not having mentioned a certain <laughs> film. But, but really I feel like, look, we can't mention everything in the world. We'll be here all night. So I, I, I appreciate to me, that's what the listeners are for. That's why I appreciate that's right. them. Yes. And that's why I like the comment section of horrormoviepodcast.com because it allows for further conversation mm-hmm. and for these awesome insights from our listeners. So I, I really recommend if people like that episode, which I will say I heard overwhelmingly positive feedback about that episode, which I will say I was a little worried about because I did feel like we were just kind of going on and on for a lot of it. And so I was happy to hear that people really appreciated that episode. And if you liked it, check out these comments. You'll hear even more awesome recommendations and stories from other horror movie podcast listeners. That's right. That's right. And I think you had some um, news or listener requests about uh, a meetup that you're planning on. Oh, well, so we were, you know, when you, right around the time you first started talking about this Indiana meetup, I had been speaking to some of the listeners about doing a horror meetup. You know, we'd all been talking about it for years. We, we had right. talked about doing a zombie run at some point. And one idea that I got that has taken um, hold mm-hmm. within our listenership is this idea of organizing a mini horror convention, but with, you know, horror movie podcast presents basically so that we could sell tickets and get, have a packed house and have cool events, but with live podcasts kind of at the center of it. Love it. And that's something that would take a huge amount of work and organization that probably you and I probably will not ever get done if we are left to it. Right. So um, I've been reaching out to friends and listeners who have experience with horror conventions and with conventions in general, having Matroid talk to People at Salt Lake Comic Con for us and listener Ian West is tied into the horror convention community. And um, I'm sure there are other listeners out there who I don't know and I would really appreciate it. I just want to put a call out. If you have experience with this sort of thing, 
what we're talking about doing, um, me and you know a handful of the listeners who have been discussing it, is like we kind of we like here's the fantasy, right? The fantasy is we rent out like a summer camp in like September after the camp is done, right? And we stay in cabins at this camp and you know there are cabins like that around in utah but a lot of people really want to do this in new jersey at, at uh, the original <laughs> you know camp blood up there of course uh, of course but the idea being is that we would get all get together in like in a kind of a wooded situation and then watch woods movies so we could watch cabin in the woods we could watch friday the 13th we could watch the burning we could watch exists and then we would invite guests to come out after the screenings to do q a so we would have eduardo sanchez do a q a about altered or exists or blur witch project after the screening with us on a panel as a horror movie podcast live show that sounds really fun that would tie in in conjunction to those events. And then again, we can sell this to people who it would be a great way to promote the podcast to people who don't know about us and sell tickets because it was just a cool event. But it's also a way for our listeners to have like a really cool HMP specific experience. And so anyway, but we're, that's something that we're, we were working on kind of slowly and then just recently kind of trying to kick it into a higher gear and really get some people who know conventions can help us book these guests um, and and help us with a lot of the organizational stuff. Ian wants to do like a GoFundMe Kickstarter thing. I think if we can get it well organized enough with vendors and with um, and with ticket presales that it can pay, just pay for itself and we won't have to spend money or or worry about that kind of thing. And so. Again, this is just a call out to any listeners who have experience with horror conventions. Please get in touch. And we're just going to explore this because I think this could be a really fun idea um, if we can find the right people to help us organize it. Yeah, and have them contact you on that one, Josh. You'll be the point man on that. How, what's the best way for them to reach out to you pertaining uh, to this? You can reach me. What email am I actually going to check is the question. Why don't you just um, follow me on Twitter at Icarus Arts and uh, send me a little tweet and I will... I get in touch with you. If you're not on Twitter, I'm also on Facebook or Instagram. You can send me a message and uh, we can chat. And and the other thing, and see, this is, um, I, <laughs> the thing is, at first I was like worried about this because of the whole, um, you know, how, how many things can you schedule? And the, the fact of the matter is not everybody can attend everything. And for some people, it's easier to get them to certain parts of the country than other parts of the country. And so at the Indiana meetup, we had already started discussing next year, a year from now in uh, like August or something like that, doing a meetup in Salt Lake City where we would basically do like the, the main attraction of it would be just live podcasts where where the GeekCast right. live podcast, they would be here and the sci-fi podcast. You could movie streamcast from there, movie podcast weekly and horror movie podcast. It'd just be like an all day event. And, you know, we'd, you know, break for maybe a movie at some point or something like that. I don't know. That's something we're kicking around as well a year from now. So I love the, I love everything you said about the Well, movie. that could be the same event. I mean, we looked at one of the camps we're looking at. We looked at two in Utah um, that yeah. are pretty close by Salt Lake. So yeah, 
we could you know we could figure that out yeah that's pretty cool because like it you know i, I don't want to ruin the new jersey vibe that you guys are talking about i mean if, if that's what you want to well, do obviously that's the fantasy i don't know i'm sure they have a lot of requests and i know that they don't want horror fans in most of the year but that's during you know operational times so you know what we we're hoping is if we can go right after the children leave so that there's no worry about it being unsafe for anyone. Right. right. Okay. Well, if it, you know, if it ends up that we could swing it for New Jersey, that's awesome. Or, um, what might be cool then is since you're talking about like an actual convention, which I think is really neat. That's exciting. It could be like, like basically a very, very, very small version of that where we would have a few vendors, a, like three or four live screenings and then followed by live podcasts like uh, Q, Q&A panels basically. Yeah, see I love that. And it could be like what I was thinking it could be like a like a two-day event or something where exactly. you know on one day you do like all the other podcasts and then on the second day or whatever it's all the horror stuff. Yeah, sounds awesome. Something like that. So yeah, we'll or horror at night. So it could be like, you know, get more and more horrific as the day goes on and that, so like start with like movie right. streamcast and go to Geekcast, then go to sci-fi right like because i was thinking the sci-fi guys would love to do a q a panel about altered with eduardo sanchez or whoever you know what i mean so, oh yeah or you know fire in the sky or whatever there's some kind of horror-esque sci-fi movies so we could we could make a way for it to be kind of fun and then that way at night when it gets dark we're covering horror each night or something i love it okay well let's let's keep working toward that so yeah what we decided in indiana is we had so much fun um carl said at one point that it was like one of the most fun times of his life yeah he loved that weekend hanging out with the listeners and stuff because they were so cool and they were very listeners that i've been in touch with had a blast i mean they're just they're like having withdrawals and saying like oh that was so much fun like i just want (laughs) to hang out with you guys now you know it was good you know my favorite part about it honestly was um we just you know we got to just sit and talk about movies just just talk about movies and just like kick it around and throw it around and that was incredible to be able to do that i just loved it um absolute blast so yeah we got to do that again and if you didn't make it out there listeners if you didn't make it to indiana we're gonna do something again next year for certain and um you know and and also we're gonna get some some t-shirts going huh josh some more t-shirts because i know there's some people still ask about that so anyways that's gonna be just after the new year um start yeah perfect perfect so so that's what we got coming up for you um i just want to give a a couple of quick plugs here as we wrap up um i want to make sure people check out horror corridor which is a movie podcast it's a horror movie podcast in fact by mr watson who's a listener of horror movie podcast um it i gotta tell you josh i don't know if you had a chance to listen to this yet but um i'm a little bit ticked off at mr watson because (laughs) i I think he i think he's better i think he's better than me (laughs) i'm serious he, he what he does and i'm not just saying this you guys know that i don't give um you know fake reviews on stuff I listen to his show. He takes an academic approach to horror, just like we always intend to do. Except it sounds like, <laughs> at least the way I podcast, 
he researches much better than I do. He gets more time to research, maybe, <laughs> or he's just smarter than I am. But his show is exceptional. Horror Corridor is a um, solo cast, and he, you know it's a long show. Like I think that first episode is like three hours, and wow. he, and I'm telling you, he carries it. He reminds me, and I hope he takes this as a compliment. He's like a blend between like you know our academic approach and the lore podcast you know that lore podcast that i love yeah except that dude i mean that dude's really well researched but i i feel like when when he reads he's a little monotone but but not mr watson when he reads he's just a natural he sounds like a radio guy he's very entertaining it's a great podcast and i'm being serious about that you cool you guys got to check it out i will have it linked in the show notes horror corridor is affiliated they're a part of the um um, Horrorphilia podcast network, but I'll have that linked in the show notes. I really like Mr. Watson just from our interactions at the comment section of the website. I mean, he's just a really cool guy and you know, interesting. He always has good insights, and we we have a lot of similar interests in our background, so we've had some fun conversations. But yeah, I, I have not had a chance to listen to this yet, but Dave did, and I saw that Dave really loved it too so yes. um, that's two out of three or two out of four of your hosts are already recommending this podcast <laughs> that's right that's right it's great so that'll be linked in the show notes i think my only other plug then since i'm giving plugs is uh check out movie podcast weekly episode 207 is our coverage of the uh, meetup some of what you hear in this episode but a lot of it is things we reviewed we reviewed bridget jones's baby Carl made us go Ugh. see that. Carl made us go see it, Josh. It was horrible. And uh, we reviewed Snowden, which is pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good movie. I it, mean, it is. It it's, really, an, it's a great topic. I, the movie is. I'm not sure. I'm yeah. not sure about it. But I like it. It's the content is so interesting that it makes up for the shortcomings of the film. The film, I think. Mm, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I liked it a lot actually, but. And um, right before Josh gives his plugs, I just want to tell you, make sure um, that you join us because coming up here on Horror Movie Podcast, in episode 99, we're going into our old school horror anthologies, and um, that's going to be amazing. And then the very next week, see in October, we go weekly. It's crazy, but we do it. We do modern horror anthologies for episode 100. And then 101, episode 101, is uh, the 80s slashers from 1980 to 1984. And then episode 102 is 80s slashers 1985 to 1989. And um, so that's just a little little taste of what's coming up. And uh, we're going to be getting some listener calls in on that, right, Josh? So we want to... Yeah. I guess we should put that out there now. Or, or maybe we'll put it out on Twitter of how and when they can call in. We're also going to be giving away prizes to the winners of the Dead Serious Horror Movie Challenge. I have not seen a lot of entries in this yet, although I have seen several people told me that they filmed theirs or have done theirs or are planning theirs. But guys, you've been lollygagging. Let's get those up quick because <laughs> time is running out if you want to win those prizes. That's right. That's right. Okay, Josh, what are your plugs? I would just say uh, check out Movie Streamcast, where uh, I'm 
starting to review movies again. I kind of unintentionally took a summer break, but we're back and uh, going strong. So head over there. I've got a few older episodes that are getting posted and then we're going to be into all new content and we're going to be doing a couple horror movies uh, throughout the month of October, all scary stuff. Not, not like as hardcore horror as we do here. It'll be more um, spooky movies, I guess. So we can save the real horror for our movie podcast, but um, it should be fun. You can also follow me on social media at Icarus arts. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook at Icarus arts. That's right. Okay, so right here in the episode, what we're going to do, I'm going to cut to a hilarious recording I made at the at the airport when I was just dead tired. Like, you, you can hear it in my voice. I'm talking super slowly, like I have some kind of, like, head injury, and um, I'm just talking slowly, and, and just, I have zero energy, so I'm sorry if I put you to sleep, but I give some shout-outs for those who were at the convention... <laughs> <laughs> not the convention, but the meetup, and it, it's it's kind of weird but funny, so I hope you enjoy it, and we're going to uh, wrap up the show that way. And, uh, oh, Josh, I almost forgot. Make sure you check out Dr. Shock at DVDinfatuation.com. Oh, for sure. And he's on Twitter at DVDinfatuation. So, all right, at this point, let's move into this uh, final recording, which you may have heard already on episode 207 of movie podcast weekly but here it is jay here as i record this solo segment it is sunday september 18th and i'm sitting in the indianapolis airport waiting for my flight back to salt lake city i'm just wrapping up this weekend's festivities when we had the first ever official movie podcast network meetup and i just wanted to tell our listeners how much it meant to us to have such an excellent turnout for this event we were overwhelmed and blown away it was quite humbling to see that many people come out to get together like that so at the meetup proper yesterday i think we got up somewhere between like 15 to 20 people who attended and at least 11 of those were faithful hardcore listeners who actually traveled to get here between movie podcast weekly and horror movie podcast and the geek cast live podcast you should get to hear from each person that attended but in the meantime i'm gonna do something extremely risky and foolish and attempt to name all of the uh, faithful listeners who attended and where they came from so this is very risky because if i forget someone i will want to hurt myself but let's just see if i can do it so we had adam from chicago he was our first arrival he wore horror vest and freddy krueger nikes and adam brought gifts i may be talking about one of those gifts in a horror movie podcast episode but adam's charisma is off the charts adam you were born to podcast and tell your wife laura that i'm sorry that our phone call was interrupted we need to finish that conversation but adam your artwork is masterful brother thank you for being there one from Houston, Texas, one of the most sincere people I've ever met and a genuine friend. He cared about my health and was worried about my excessive soda intake this weekend. Everyone else was guzzling alcohol, but Juan was worried about my Coca-Cola soft drink habit. 
and not really worried about people drinking alcohol. So that was hilarious. But Juan has very strong opinions about the cinema, and he's always got reasons to back them up. So it was great to see Juan. Dino from Cleveland, Ohio. He made me want to be a better person. After finding out just how intelligent Dino is, they're learning some of his background, it made me never want to argue with him again on the message boards. And after meeting Dino in person, he also made me want to stop drinking Coca-Cola and get in shape. So anyway, <laughs> Dino is a truly classy guy. And it's weird to say this, but if my wife had attended, I have no doubt that Dino would have been her favorite. James Waters from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Now, James, you are not alone, brother. If the people in your community don't understand cinephilia, then tell them Werner Herzog will eat them. Talking to you, James, was one of the highlights for me. James really validated what we do here with these podcasts, and I'm grateful for what James had to say. James, you will get your David Lynch episode from Movie Podcast Weekly. I can promise you that, but I just can't promise how useful it will be. Also, part of our Buckeye State Horror Contingent, we had Jody and Greg, who drove in together from Toledo, Ohio. These two guys both went to film school, and so now I'm intimidated to have them listening to the podcast. These guys are true blue horror fans, and they know their stuff. They were actually schooling me at dinner, which was a blast. They're both all-around great guys. I wish we could have chatted more. And, by the way, you guys gotta shoot the great Ohio horror story. There is one to be made, so I'll be watching for that. We also had my colleagues, fellow horror podcaster Ron Martin of the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. It's a horror podcast that you can find at zombie7.com. Ron and his former co-host Jeff Hammer both drove in from elsewhere in Indiana. The name of the city escapes me right now, and I'm sorry about that. But they came from Indiana about two hours away. Uh, I've always wanted to meet these guys in person. I've known them for years, and I'm so happy I finally got the chance. Ron Martin is a very strong man, I will say. He almost broke me in half with a giant bear hug when he met me. And Jeff Hammer has been my movie buddy for a long, long time now. We've been texting each other about the cinema for literally years now. Dark Mark gets the award for traveling the farthest distance to make it to the meetup. Though he is originally a Pennsylvania native, Dark Mark flew in from his home in Los Angeles, California. Mark is a man after my own heart in many ways because not only is he a horror fan and a movie lover, but he's also a musician. And so he was truly fascinating for me to chat with. Thanks for flying in all the way from L.A., Dark Mark. You are dead serious about horror movies. And then we also had a GeekCast Live devotee. They call him Other Joe, but I proudly renamed him Live Action Joe because he's been known as Other Joe in order to distinguish him from the GeekCast's Cartoon Joe. So I said, guys, you should call him Live Action Joe. He's a hilarious guy, and he brought his lovely wife with him. Forgive me, everybody, because her name escapes me at the moment. I barely got to talk to her, but she was very gracious and very kind. 
to all of us. And then there was Gomez98. He made the grandest entrance of all. He came in to the pub bearing many gifts for all the podcast hosts. Gomez actually brought an ice chest for me that had a Coca-Cola in it, as well as a peanut buster parfait on ice. It was from Dairy Queen. This is no joke. He also brought me some Roger Ebert books that I did not previously own, so I'm grateful. Thank you, Gomez. And he also brought some very thoughtful and personalized gifts to the other hosts as well. We were all very impressed by his kind gesture. Gomez and Adam from Chicago did not get to cross paths, but I can't even imagine what would have happened if those two superpowers had been in the same room together. <laughs> and I must mention that many of GeekCast Rise wonderful family members were in attendance to support our meetup. I think they came, if for nothing else, to make us not feel like losers in case nobody else showed up. But they were there too to support us, and um, Ryan's family is so cool and colorful. There needs to be a movie made about them and their adventures. I want to thank everyone who attended the meetup, and I especially want to thank Ryan and his sweet wife and his extended family for rolling out the red carpet for Carl and me. Ryan made all the arrangements. He did all the organizing for this weekend, and he allowed us to squeeze in three movies over the weekend. So great job, Rye. You nailed it. Anyway, make sure you check out all the shows on Movie Podcast Network if you haven't already. Check out Joel Robertson's Retro Movie Geek Podcast and his Forgotten Flicks Podcast. Make sure you check out the Sci-Fi Podcast. Also, don't forget about Josh's Movie Streamcast and check out Ryan's GeekCast Live Podcast. And please keep listening to Movie Podcast Weekly and Horror Movie Podcast where we're dead serious about horror movies.